Gentlemen, welcome to the Athelsford District Council Planning Committee meeting for Wednesday the 21st of September. Two, two matters of housekeeping before we start. We're not expecting a fire drill, so if the bells do ring, please leave calmly through the double doors, down the stairs and assemble on the grass verge. Our fire marshals will look after you from there. Um, all mobile phones should be switched to silent, please. Thank you. Um, members, we are recording and broadcasting the meeting, so please make sure your microphone is switched on before you speak. Right, the minutes for the previous meeting have been circulated. Can I sign those as a true record? Do you want to do apologies for absence and um, declarations of interest first? You're quite right, Adam. Thank you for... Uh, I've got those in the wrong order. Any apologies for absence? There's apologies for absence from councillors Fairhurst, the Lodge and Riles. Thank you very much. Uh, any declarations of interest, members? Councillor Freeman. Uh, Saffron Warden Town Council, Chairman. Thank you very much. Anyone else? Fine, thank you. We'll now move on to the minutes of the previous meeting, which have been circulated. Can I sign those as a true record? I shall do so, thank you. We'll take any matters arising. Uh, page 5, 6, 7, 8, 9... 10. Thank you very much. On to today's agenda, which remains as published. Item 4.1 is application UTT 16-1435. It's an application for full planning consent at Great Dunmo, and Mrs Denmark will make the presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Um, before I start, I just want to make sure members, have you got a copy of a supplementary list of representations? There's uh, been a change in the recommendation which is set out in, in the um, supplementary list. Right, this application relates to a site... This application relates to a site um, located on the northern side of Ongar Road and the proposal relates to the erection of 60 dwellings and it's a full application. The site already has benefit of planning permission for 73 dwellings and we've currently got a reserve matters application um, for that which is being held in abeyance while we're determining this planning application. The site's located outside the development limits in the adopted Ottlesford District Local Plan and technically the development is contrary to policy S7. However, the Great Dunmo Neighbourhood Plan is only weeks away from being voted on in a referendum following examination by an inspector where it's been found to be sound. Now, this plan identifies the site as being within the development limits for Great Dunmo and on that basis, uh, sorry, purely on the basis that it has the benefit of outline planning permission for the 73 dwellings. So the proposal needs to be considered in lines with policies set out in the neighbourhood plan. I did circulate that to members before the meeting. Um, 
because the neighbourhood plan now has quite significant weight. Uh, when it gets adopted, um, it will actually supersede the Uttlesford local plan um, in terms of applications for Great Dunmo. Um, the proposal relates to a range of one-bedroom bungalows and two, three, four and five-bedroom houses and this includes 40% affordable housing units. All the separation distances um, and garden sizes are complied with and the required parking provision can be met within the site. A number of trees are to be felled. Um, they're marked in red on here. You can't see all of them. Um, and a large number of trees are protected by tree preservation order. 14 trees are proposed to be removed and the council's landscape officer is satisfied with the proposals. The design of the um, scheme has been negotiated um, and um, because there were various elements which were unsatisfactory, including the fact that the terraces were going to be back-to-back -back with ginnels, which is not an Uttersford feature at all. Um, we have managed to negotiate these down to being semi-detached dwellings, and we've um, got more render included within the scheme. So the design's considered satisfactory. There's a footpath currently running um, since the original outline consent was granted there was a footpath running through the site since the original outline has been granted it's now been diverted around the outside of the site it's proposed to re-divert the uh, footpath back through the site and this is going to become a bridleway down to this point here where it would then go along the highway to this point uh, to the junction um, now, this is one of the opportunities to secure um, a, one of the links required to reconnect the two sections of the Flitchway in Great Dunmo. Um, and um, it would then ultimately connect up with the Ongar Road South development and then subsequently with the Smith's Farm development, which also has a requirement to provide a right way through it. Um, the requirement to provide a bridleway was part of the section 106 on the outline application. Because this is a full application, technically it doesn't have to comply with that requirement, but we have managed to negotiate it back into the scheme. Um, in addition, the developers offered to pay um, a financial contribution towards upgrading the steps, which are currently sort of mud and planks of wood sliding down the bank. Um, uh, so they've offered to upgrade those so that we can maintain the footpath link which connects up with footpaths on the opposite side of the road. There's no objections from statutory consultees and the application is recommended for approval as set out in the agenda as far as the conditions are, go are concerned and revised section 106 requirements as set out in the supplementary um, list of representations. Yes, Councillor Chambers. We've got a speaker on this. Purely as, as an apology, uh, Mr Chairman, uh, I think probably some people might realise there's a lot of noise coming from the fans around there. My understanding is that the, it, the um, air conditioning has gone wrong and they can't turn it off, so that's what might cause the microphones not to be so good. Thank you for that technical input, Councillor Chambers. Sorry. 
appreciate that. Thank you. We have one speaker on this application who is the agent, Stephen Brown. And you have three minutes, Mr. Brown. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon, Chair, members. As reported by your officers, <coughs> the principle of developing the site for housing was established with the grant of planning permission for 73 dwellings back in 2013. However, and of course, we recognise that the site requires a particularly sensitive design response on account of the existing protected trees and the settlement edge location. As a result, and informed by local resident responses upon the earlier outline scheme, we embarked upon a lengthy pre-application process with your officers to discuss a scheme for a reduced number of dwellings. The preparation and submission of this 60-dwelling scheme followed a collaborative approach with your officers and their input, for which we thank Mrs Denmark for, has been particularly helpful in designing a high-quality scheme that respects the character of the site. The considered design approach has resulted in no technical objections from any of the statutory consultees including the Town Council, and indeed whilst there are a small number of local resident concerns to elements of the proposal, these matters are comprehensively addressed in your officer's report. So as to matters of detailed design, the reduction in the number of dwellings from 73 to 60 allows for a greater proportion of open space, an improved sustainable drainage strategy, enhanced setting to protected trees, and indeed respects the amenity of neighbouring properties. The dwelling mix has been discussed and agreed with officers and is policy compliant, comprising a range of one through to five bedroom homes, including bungalows, whilst 60% of the dwellings will comprise three bedrooms or less. We also propose 40% affordable housing in appropriate groupings and three dwellings will be accessible for wheelchair users. The scheme does indeed satisfy the development management type policies of the local plan, neighbourhood plan and Essex Design Guide with appropriate garden sizes, parking provision and separation distances. Generous landscape buffers are proposed and whilst we're losing circa 14 low grade category trees, we're proposing in the order of 100 as part of the landscape strategy. The layout does allow for the diversion and upgrading of existing public footpath and will provide a bridal way through the site, restoring some of the lost links around Dunmo connecting to the Flitch Way. Finally, the scheme secures in the order of £500,000 towards local infrastructure enhancements, including public transport services, facilities and infrastructure. So to conclude, the application does indeed deliver a high quality, quality sensitively designed, policy compliant scheme in a sustainable location that has been subject to lengthy discussion and very careful consideration and we are grateful for your officer's input throughout the process. With it, for these reasons, members, Chair, you are requested to approve the application for this policy compliance scheme before you this afternoon. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Mr Brown. Uh, our co-members, it's uh, over to you. Any questions or queries of the officers? Councillor Mills. Uh, just one clarification. Is the bridleway going up the main entrance now? The bridleway is um, this bit going down here, and then highways specifically want it 
to go along the adopted highway down to the main access into the site. Highways have requested that. Okay. Thank you. So presumably that will be signposted accordingly. There is a very steep bank at the front of the site and it would need significant engineering works. Fine, thank you. Um, any other questions, councillors? Um, I'd like to uh, confirmation on the bungalows, please. Um, I can't make out from the accommodation schedule which one are the bungalows and where they are. The three one-bedroom bungalows are going in this location here. Thank you. Um, one of the concerns that we've had on this site in the past is the road speed um, across there. It's a 30 mile an hour limit, um, but uh, it's only informative only really, I think, that if, if we're minded to approve this, that the Town Council should be asked to work with Essex Highways to get the speed limit extended, the 30 mile an hour limit extended over the a120 bypass, um, so that uh, the speeds at the um, site entrance can perhaps be modified. And as we are now almost to the point of providing one of the last pieces of linkage for the uh, Flitchway, having come round through Hoblongs and round Longer Road South, out onto the south side of Longer Road, to cross people using the Flitchway, I think should have a pedestrian crossing to access. Uh, the other side of the road so again it's not within our power but I'm wondering if that could be incorporated in the negotiations of the off-site highway improvements uh, financial works. The highway authority hasn't specifically requested a, um, a crossing at that point. I can bring it to their attention that that is your requirement but unless they specifically require it in the section 278 works we can't insist on it. I seem to remember uh, an application in Dunmo on uh, the Downs on the old school site where the Town Council asked for a pedestrian crossing there and one was provided. Um, I have a Town Council sitting to my immediate right and uh, I would have thought that um, he could be persuaded to uh, support such a, a request. Um, if we can't condition it then I certainly want it made known as an informative please. Councillor Chambers. Uh, Mr. Chambers, uh, uh, Mr. Chairman, I'd like to uh, propose approval, but I would like to somehow put in your suggestion of a crossing because I think it is most important now with all the more houses that are going in that there should be proper crossings there. So if it could be suggested we put that in there, I would be uh, more than happy to propose approval. Yes, Mr. Brown's going to give us some advice. On yeah, I think you've probably answered your own question, Chairman, in terms of I don't think we can condition it because, and I don't think we can, we can insist that it provides just in case the county do not want to do it and that will it'll become unhinged. So we can put it on as an informative and I think uh, the, the chairman's suggestion, the town council, by, by approving this, it will then require, at the moment, um, you don't need a pedestrian crossing there because there's, there's nothing there. So I think once you have the development, just like the moving of the speed limit, there may be a requirement for a pedestrian crossing. So I think if we put an informative on there, at the same time the Town Council put the pressure on, it could work. It's a pincer movement, it could work. Um, but I don't think we can condition it because the county aren't actually asking for it and that could become uncomfortable later on. I fully understand that, Mr Chairman, but I, uh, I think for the case of public safety, then there's no harm in suggesting it as yeah, I can do that. 
Thank you. So we were proposed by Councillor Chambers. Does that find a second of Councillor Hicks? Do you wish to speak? Uh, yes, time? Chairman. I'd be happy to second um, this proposal. Thank Fine. You. Thank you very much. In the absence of no further comments, then we'll go to the vote. We have a <coughs> proposal to uh, approve the application with the uh, conditions attached. All those in favour, please show. Thank you. That application is approved. Thank you. The next item on the agenda is item 4.2, application 16-0459. It's an outline planning consent application at Newport. And in the absence of Mrs. Shoesmith um, through illness, Mr. Brown is going to make the presentation. Thank you, Chairman. Um, members will, some members may recall this site um, from previous historical applications on this site. Uh, the site is the old Cucumber Nursery, which was located on White Ditch Lane and also sits behind properties located on Berry Water Lane and White Ditch Lane. Um, we, just for clarification, we have Berry Water Lane here and we have White Ditch Lane here. Um, this is the existing situation. Um, when members visited the site this morning, they would remember that they'll see all these, all the, the vast part of the site is covered by existing, existing dilapidated greenhouses. I think we went through the only one that's probably not unsafe. And so that is the current situation. The site is currently accessed off White Ditch Lane. Um, just, to, just to clarify now, everything's, I think, shifted around. So therefore we now have, um, this is Berry Water Lane here and White Ditch Lane is here. Just to get that clarified right. So the original, the current access to the uh, greenhouse um, cucumber farm was from White Ditch Lane. Um, the outline permission has also been granted for 84 dwellings on the adjacent site, which is this land which wraps around it, 84 dwellings on the adjacent neighbouring application. Now that um, application, we currently have a reserve matters application in, which is currently under consideration, and that will come to this committee in due course. Um, the ground levels increase, and members will see this from the site, that the, the, it, it, it does increase substantially up the site. It's a gradient going up through the site, and with a difference of about 11.5 metres across the site. So it does go up quite a bit, also shows. You can also see that by, by the gradient of White Ditch Lane as well. Um, the application in front of us is uh, an application and it's, it's quite a long detailed description in terms of what it is um, and um, now what it's, it's up to 50 bedrooms residential care home together with extra care development of 90 dwellings um, as well as some special and as well as some there's a few market dwellings which I'll come on to it's all outlined where the only matter being reserved is not being reserved as means of access and so, but what you have in front of you is quite a lot of illustrative detail, which I think the agents had to do in order to demonstrate that you can get this amount of work on the particular site. Um, 
I should also add that the access has also changed. Uh, originally, the access was going to be at this end with the demolition of the dwelling. It's moved down one level, so it's moved away, further away from the White Ditch Lane junction with Berry Water Lane uh, in order to improve the access. And so, so, therefore, the access is now through this particular application. I do have the plans of the previous scheme uh, where there is an extant planning, uh, planning outline plan permission for this development. Um, the proposal is for the provision of an extra care development of up to 90 dwellings, up to 90 dwellings, with, together with a residential care home facility of up to 50 dwellings. Um, um, now we have, if I get this run the right way, we have the extra care facilities in this area here with the, with the actual care facilities here. I should need to add, indicate, and I think there is some confusion over the term extra care. Um, it's, it's not a good, it's, 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 it doesn't properly describe what it's about. Extra care is independent living. So it's actually less care, but it's more care on tap. Uh, specific to the individual uh, and also, also it, it, the reason why we're talking outline and we're talking up to is that we do need flexibility later on for when the development does come forward and we've had that with our two extra care facilities both the one that's coming out of the, con the one in Radwinter Road in Saffron Warden and the one in the Smiths Farm in, in Great Dunmo there has to be flexibility as the care market changes so that's why you've got up up to 90 comprising apartments and cottages uh, for the um, extra care and up to 50 for the residential care home. Um, there's also associated uh, care facilities. This is the, again, I should add, this is illustrative only, so members aren't considering this in terms of the elevation, but it does show the type of scale of development that would be required to actually deliver what's proposed. And you're seeing that it's, it's, it's three, it's three storeys in height. Um, it, shouldn't be, it shouldn't be lost that you've also got the gradient and the fact that it's going to be terraced up. Um, this is, this is generally, I'm not going to go into details, but this does, this does show also the, the terracing effect through the site of it going up and up there. So it, the whole idea is to, show, is to show level access for people going through the site with the, with the, with the use of lifts, etc., to go through the site, rather than just have a gradient on the site. Um, again, this shows the, the, the demonstration of the proposed bungalows. Um, and this shows the, the, the street scene, and this really does show how the, the site does gradient up as you're going up. This is looking up from White Ditch Lane. While we're looking at White Ditch Lane, um, originally, within the original outline planning commission, there was a, an outline planning commission for five market dwellings, which um, originally was shown with no specified access, although it was inferred the access would be through, through the existing site. We have, this committee has also already considered the reserve matters for, five, for the five individual reserve matters for those dwellings with the access onto White Ditch Lane. So the, the, the principle of five dwellings accessing onto White Ditch Lane has already been considered. I'll go into more details about that in a moment. But this shows the, the, the street scenes accessing it, looking at it from White Ditch Lane, looking at it from what are currently, this is the open fields and this is from the other sides. Obviously, uh, that is the area where the, 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 the development uh, for Carla Homes, the Reserve Matters application to the north, is coming to us. So that's actually where we are at the moment. And this, this follows it through. This is the, the other elevation. So it does show the, the gradient. So you are looking at development that is quite high, but by the look of the terrace effect, it's, it's, it's breaking into the actual ground. 
and this shows, and the market dwellings would also show this over 65 residential units which will be secured by way of, of condition, which can be done, um, which does indicate the type of occupiers that we're going to have in that particular property. Um, I don't actually know what that one is. Right, that, that shows the. Uh, I'll go forward. How do I go forward? Previously, yeah. That's the original scheme, yeah, which actually show one, two, three, four, five units accessing onto White Ditch Lane. What we currently have from the thing is if you go all the way further back, um, the arrows may work here. You now have the collection of the this. You now have these seven uh, dwellings accessing onto White Ditch Lane and these two market dwellings here. So originally you had five dwellings, three here, and two market dwellings here access, accessing onto White Ditch Lane. You now have this layer of seven, but you have these two market dwellings here. So you are, you've got an increased traffic onto White Ditch Lane, but these are specific dwellings as part of the extra care facility, which will be for over 65. So therefore, it is considered the traffic flow. There will be traffic flow, but it's considered less than what would previously been considered. Um, I have some housekeeping, housekeeping issues looking at the proposed condition. And if members turn to page... Probably page 92, because we're starting with condition 4. Um, and see what, what the issue is there because it should say altering wording altered to read care home and extra care housing that doesn't follow Yeah, I think I've turned over. That's, that makes more sense, yeah. It's page 69, sorry, not 91. It says, The divinity above permit should be used as a care home, and for no other purpose it should read care home and extra care housing. Um, so that's the, the change to condition four. And condition five should exclude demolition. Um, in terms of no development, excluding demolition should take place. Uh, the members may recall previous concerns on this particular site, on the previous outline, whereby uh, we were in a catch-22 situation whereby you couldn't get the demolition. The demolition needs to happen uh, before the, 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 the anyone will purchase the site because, the, as you saw from the, the greenhouses this morning, they are a potential liability issue. So the potential purchaser will not buy them until they're demolished. But obviously, if the current owner demolishes them, then they're obliged to do all the highway works, etc., and it would bite the necessary requirements of the 106. So to exclude demolition means that they will be able to demolish the, the greenhouses without biting the planning permission. Although that's a bit of a mute point at the moment because obviously things are moving on regarding the highway applications anyway. But to, to exclude demolition means it's more like it's, it's going to bring that application forward. It's, it's not adding problems that we've already taken away from previous changes to the 106 and changes to the conditions on applications. So 
demolition can happen, but not the removal of activity from the site. And I think that's, that, that, will come, that will come later on in, in, a, in a further condition. So no development excluding demolition uh, should take place. And, until, and this, this goes all the way through the, the particular applications in terms of removing demolition from the definition of demolition, or from the dem definition of development. Um, again, that, that also fires through in condition 10 as well. Um, and I suggest additional conditions, um, which is um, an additional condition 10. This should work now that. No, I've got it now. There's an additional condition at the very end, which will, will now say no arising or material following demolition with the exception of the demolition of the house Erzamine itself, shall be removed from the site until the proposed new access road into the site from Barrywater Lane has been constructed in accordance with condition 10. So we are now in a position where the demolition will be able to be taken place on the site, but the material is not removed from the site, so therefore it's removed the liability issue. That's what the other alterations to the conditions have done, which means the transfer of land will be able to happen uh, and, and, and that will be picked up. Um, but what this condition does it says is the, the, the debris and the material can't be removed from the site until Erzamine has been demolished and the access has been put in. Because I think everyone accepts the demolition of all those greenhouses, taking them out through White Ditch Lane is not desirable in any shape or form. So it's, it's managing the way I think of which things are happening. Again, I should add, it's, it is a bit of a moot point because we could be in a position where the access, the highway works have been carried out already as a result of, 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 of further works to the north anyway. So I think members, that was a bit muddled, but hopefully members are quite clear in terms of what all we're trying to achieve here is, is, a, is, a, is a proper way in which things are carried out on, on the site. So I think following the members' site visit this morning, and in, I'll go away from that particular, yeah, members will, will recall that the, uh, this is a revision of an extant um, outline planning permission um, and, uh, and the application is recommended for approval, Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Uh, we have several speakers on this, the first of whom is uh, local ward member, Councillor Parry. And you have five minutes, Councillor Parry. Thank you. Good afternoon, Chairman, Councillors. As you are aware, Outline permission has previously been granted on this site for a similar scheme. However, this is a new application and we do have some issues to which we would like you to give serious consideration. The care home is C2 use. The Essex parking standards for such are one space per full-time staff member plus one visitor space for every three beds. We're told there would be 25 staff on duty at peak times and 50 beds. So this would be a total of 42 spaces just for the care home. Additionally, under Essex parking standards, retirement developments, i.e. warden-assisted independent living accommodation, require one parking space per unit, plus one mobility scooter place for every two dwellings. This gives a total parking requirement for the site of 132 parking spaces and 45 mobility scooter spaces. I urge the committee to ensure that Essex parking standards are met. There is just a single point of access to this site. 
It is intended that this site houses vulnerable people. If flooding, a frequent occurrence, or an incident blocks the road, there is no alternative way in or out. We therefore ask that the applicant demonstrates how the residents of the care home and associated dwellings will be accessible by medical teams, such as an ambulance or first response car or motorcycle, in the event of such an incident. An acceptable solution could be for the applicant to raise the level of the road, footpaths and platform so that floodwaters do not affect access. Access is required to be defined at the outline stage. However, these plans show access for 20% less accommodation than is actually being applied for. Houses are shown to be accessing White Ditch Lane, an unsuitable single-track, dead-end byway with no footway or streetlights and a sunken blind S-bend. On the plan shown, it would be seven houses. The plans therefore do not show the access required for an additional 12 dwellings. I would like the committee to consider turning down this application until plans for the full amount of housing being applied for are submitted and access can be accurately assessed. Councillor Hargreaves will now be speaking to you. He would like you to open the email you received from him yesterday. We are not allowed to put photos up on the screen, so we're told to email them to you. Please would you open the photos as he will be referring to them. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Councillor Parry. And indeed, as you indicate, our next speaker is uh, fellow ward member, Councillor Hargreaves. And you two have five minutes, Councillor. Could I ask you please to have a look first at the panorama uh, photograph. Um, the site is in the middle of the photo. You can just see one glass house. And Newport is entirely hidden by trees in the valley. And if we could actually look further to the right, all we would see is the church tower sticking out the top. Now this site is outside of development limits and UDC policy S7 specifies that the countryside will be protected for its own sake and planning permission will only be given for development that needs to take place there or is appropriate to a rural area and only if its appearance protects or enhances the particular character of the part of the countryside within which it is set. Um, a policy was actually proposed to the last local plan to further specify what S7 means and that said development must maintain the panoramic views of the plateau and uplands, especially open views to historic buildings and landmarks such as churches. So this is one of those countryside aspects which I think policy S7 is there to protect. Can I ask you to move on and have a look at the, the winter picture of this, the winter view of it? Uh, you can now see through, there's a bank, big block of trees on the right hand side, you can now see through those trees and you can see the full extent of the site, you see the glass houses go right down to the bottom of the site and of course there's a building there and all the way up the site. Now the, those tall trees are commercial woodland, they're long overdue for felling, some are actually falling down and they will be removed. Uh, the trees, so the applicant's claims of any screening from those should be, should be disregarded and they're, they're not the applicant's trees. Um, 
There is also development actually in the adjoining field, but that is low rise and that's got very extensive screening, none of which would actually protect uh, this site. Now the glass houses are single storey and the existing permission for this site is also for basically single storey buildings. But this application includes three and four storey buildings, much, much higher, and I think it's pretty clear they would just tower over the landscape. Can I ask you to move on to look at the, the third photograph? That's taken from a path um, by, by Wickham Road. And if you imagine the trees on the right-hand side removed, you can see that even now the, on that photograph the single-storey glass houses are quite prominent. Uh, they can be replaced by three and four storeys across, largely across the whole site. I think this would be a hefty intrusion into this landscape view. And bear in mind the applicant is not showing this committee the full extent of the application. Um, the application is actually for 22 more residences of various sorts and that, that drawing actually shows you and they say obviously we'll squeeze the extra ones in but that doesn't answer why they put up plans that are for 20% less than is actually being applied for and I think if they showed you what is being applied for it would, could even have even more high buildings certainly it would be more, more tightly packed um, the assessment of this site for the local plan said it was suitable for a 120 bed care home this application is for 140 residences shall we say of which the majority take up much more space than a care home so I think it's probably about twice the density of what the independence assessment was for the local plan that's why it's too tall and that's why it's intrusive in the landscape and that's why it breaches policy S7 one final point staying with topography but moving to the Equalities Act uh, wheelchairs would need to go up and down the footway along the site access road to be built down to the public highway. Uh, I assume therefore the slope must be compliant and common sense says that it should be as part of the access requirements. My reading of the regulation is that a length, a length of 10 metres can have a maximum drop of half a metre which is pretty shallow. So could I also therefore ask perhaps the officer to confirm what the slope is whether design conforms with the Equalities Act and any other relevant uh, regulations for slopes and access. Thank you very much. Thank you, Councillor Hargreaves. We have two objecting speakers, and the first of whom is David Mayle. Do you have three minutes, Mr Mayle? Good afternoon, gentlefolk. Um, as you will know from your visit, the area in Newport to the west of the Ford, where School Lane meets Berrywater Lane, has seen proposals for massive development. I'll justify the word massive. Prior to the 2013 precursor application, a total of 21 dwellings needed to negotiate the stretch of road. Since that time, permissions have been granted for that number to rise to 298. I suggest that such a 13-fold increase, with no provision for the associated infrastructure, justifies the use of the word massive. In that time, my position regarding planning applications has been consistent. 
Anything fronting onto the existing carriageways, very water lane, white ditch lane, that is reasonably in keeping, even reasonably in keeping with existing development, I have publicly supported. By the same logic, I have objected to back development, not just because it is contrary to published policy, but because the sheer number of properties involved swamp virtually every aspect of the local infrastructure. Of the 277 extra dwellings I have just referenced, all but 10 constitute back development. Three years ago, the, permit, the outline permission was granted. Um, the applicant explicitly stated in their headline summary, vehicular access to the site would be secured from Berrywater Lane. This is where I break with my normal custom and get parochial. I've lived on Whiteditch Lane for 33 years. It is, as you will hopefully be aware, a bridleway. It is approximately one kilometre long. It culminates in a dead end. It's a single track width down to 2.4 metres in places. There is no pedestrian footpath whatsoever. It's accessed via a blind sunken double bend. Current traffic comprises, in addition to the vehicles associated with 12 current dwellings, 12 horses, people out walking with or without dogs, and the occasional mobility scooter. Currently, most vehicles generally recognise the inherent problems and wait by or reverse into the various entrances until the other traveller has passed. Essex Highways confirm they are only prepared to maintain White Ditch Lane to the current standard, i.e. a byway. The application before you sensibly features a requisite 5.5 metre width carriageway plus a dedicated footpath 1.8 metres wide. This is required by good practice and the requirements of the Disability Discrimination Act. Except that is for those seven dormer bungalows. These are a very special type of bungalow in that they are of two storeys with the upstairs having the same floor area as the downstairs. I think we should strike the word bungalow from the description. These buildings and their associated car park of 11 spaces are to be accessed from White Ditch Lane. At this point, a mere 2.6 metres wide. Because of the arrangement, I fear that larger vehicles, deliveries, will be forced to reverse out onto the lane. The whole arrangement is inherently dangerous. Given the 2013 permission already granted, I fail to see why this proposal should create the same standard of access and footpaths, but then require seven dwellings to use a substandard, unsafe, and almost certainly as Neil has just suggested non-DDA compliant access arrangement via a convenient nearby bridleway. I've no doubt the phrase accident waiting to happen is overused, especially at uh, planning committee meetings, but in this case I fear it is apt. If this committee does feel obliged to grant permission for this proposal, I hope it doesn't, but please do at the very minimum require the applicant reconfigure his plans to provide safe access for vehicles and pedestrians to all dwellings on the proposed development i.e. through the main site, as per the previous permission. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Our next speaker is Peter Arscott. You have three minutes, Mr. Arscott. Thank you. Um, good afternoon, Chair and members. Um, I attended the site meeting this morning which I was pleased to see that entered into the site, whereas previously we just stood on the outside and didn't venture on it. So I think it made you better aware of what was going on. I don't wish to repeat um, much of what our, my previous speakers have said because I think they've covered most areas. But um, I had down here the access to the bridleway again. Um, I'm not happy with that. And as you uh, encountered this morning, the coach encountered the car coming up and a little bit of a shunting around to get the vehicles to pass. Um, we also saw this morning a plan of uh, the proposed works in White Ditch Lane, um, which I've been trying to get hold of my hands of for some time now. Uh, this 
this, this road will provide access, this path, they will be putting a path in now and there will be a, an access for the residents of this care, this uh, facility. But there is no, there's no lighting proposed there. I can see no, they've still got to cross the inadequate footbridge and I just wondered how, we, how that goes down with the um, requirements of Part M of the building regulations. Um, I think you're setting aside the people who, are, who have disabilities who are going to be living here and limited access, uh, well, limited access for their um, motor vehicles. Um, it's apparent that there's going to be no further work in Berrywater Lane past the uh, zebra, cro uh, zebra crossing in, um, by the grammar school. So how these people can go to the local pub or get to the post office or the bakers safely, I do not know. And we should also encourage employees of the care home to come by public transport if possible. And if they get off at the, um, the uh, bus stop at the... Um, I can't think of the name. The, somebody remind me of the name of the... Uh, what's that place where they... Put up. I can't remember it anyway. They, they get off the bus and then they've got to cross a one metre wide footpath to get themselves to Berrywater Lane. And then they get in Berrywater Lane and there's no footpath either side of there. If the people from this, I don't want these people to become isolated here, but if they should want to go to the pub, the coach and horses, the, the road from the footpath from the Berrywater Lane to the bridge, well, the grammar school have allowed all their land soil to slip across the footpath. That's inadequate as well. Um, I live at the confluence of Wickham Water, Berry Water Lane and School Lane. Uh, we, it's well recorded that it floods and it's already been expressed as the concern as to what will happen in a matter of emergency. Um, I'm still concerned about the flooding. I, I did listen to some conversations this morning that um, the Anglian Water are sorting out the uh, the uh, foul sewage situation and also the surface water situation. But um, I'm not, uh, I think the uh, gentleman from Care Village was comfortable with the result, but I'm not comfortable with it and I'd like to see some plans because they certainly changed the uh, dra uh, foul drainage system from what was originally proposed uh, with Carla and, um, you've mentioned Carla, Carla and uh, this company, the Care Villages. Um, I just wanted to know what contribution... If, can uh, I ask you to wind up, please, Mr. Yeah, that's uh, it. Well, I wanted to know what contribution you're going to make to the um, facilities in the village, particularly the uh, surgery, which does collect people in from all around, not only Newport. So I think uh, there's going to, be, going to be pressure on that. Um, I think I've said my piece there. Oh, yes, and I also wanted to make a comment about the contractors... Well, okay, Can you, this is important, it's the contractor's equipment. Are we going to restrict movements of the traffic? Because having the school there is a particular worry. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Arscott. And we now have the agent for the application, that's Mr. Ian Warner. And I can allow you six minutes, Mr. Warner. Dear Chair and Members, thank you for the opportunity to address you all today on behalf of my clients who are proposing this specialist development for older people. 
This proposal effectively revises the previous consent that you as a council granted in 2014 for a similar form and quantum of development on the site that remains extant and is still within time to be developed pursuant to a reserve matters application. The principal change is, is that this scheme provides more extra care accommodation, or as explained to you today, independent living, in order to better reflect the direction of travel within this specialist sector. A care home is still provided to ensure the full spectrum of care can be delivered on this single site. It is important to note that the general quantum of this proposal, both floor area and general built scale, is similar in all terms with the extant scheme. To this extent, plans have been provided to demonstrate how the scale of our illustrative proposals relate to the previously approved scheme, which in most cases demonstrate that our proposals sit lower in the landscape than the previously approved parameters. The four-storey element shown is very limited in that it only relates to stairwells and lift areas to connect the proposed extra care apartment accommodation, providing level access for all residents. With regard to the additional units that could be provided in the scale of up to 50 beds for the care home and up to 90, it has been explained in our submission and committee report that this would be as a result of reducing the sizes of the current proposed units, not increasing the overall floor area. With regards to pedestrian access from the proposed dormers fronting White Ditch Lane, our illustrative proposals indicate pedestrian access through the site, not requiring use of White Ditch Lane. Water Ditch Lane, sorry. The vehicular traffic has been explained to be no greater than the approvals for the three market dwellings your councillors previously approved. Although only illustrative at this stage, these proposals show how the scheme can be designed to address the changing levels on site without having harmful impacts on the existing local context. My clients are keen to deliver another scheme within your district to complement their existing site at Moat Park, Great Dunmo, which some of you may be familiar with. This scheme is designed to meet the housing needs of older people alongside their care and support requirements within a community of like-minded individuals to address fears over social isolation. My clients are working alongside Carla Homes, developers of the neighbouring site for 84 dwellings, to ensure that the necessary off-site highway and drainage works can be undertaken in a coordinated manner so as to minimise disruption for local residents. These works will ensure that footpath links will be provided from the application site connecting to the new footpath route provided along School Lane into the village. It is important to note that we have worked closely with your officers to address any and all outstanding matters in the course of the application process, reflected in the detailed report that your officers have presented to you this afternoon. We would endorse the recommendation and hope you are in agreement with your officers. Retirement villages are both developer and operator of these specialist schemes and have an established track record of operating highly successful schemes. This site and proposal has been tailored to their specific model and acknowledged needs within the market. As such, retirement villages are keen to add this site to their existing portfolio of 14 villages. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Warner. Right, members, um, before I throw it open to you, I've got one question of Mr Brown on your behalf. Um, I heard somewhere in the representation that the extent permission was for single storey. Um, I don't believe that's the case, so I think um, if anybody else picked up on that, um, that should be ignored. That's absolutely right. I mean, that, that, that isn't correct. It wasn't single storey only. And, and I think if members look at the quantum, and I'm picking up what the agent just said there, um, if members look at the um, page 41, paragraph 5.4, uh, that was the description, UTT stroke 13 stroke 18 17 OP. I won't read it all, but that just shows the quantum of what was already approved through an extant permission. And that certainly was going to be 
Um, I can't recall what, you know, I don't know what, how much detail we have, but I, it did show a development of the same scale as this. So we have already approved a development of this scale, which would go to three, four stories before. So I don't think there's been any changes from the extent permission to, to what we're looking at today. Okay, how the numbers are split between each other has changed, um, but uh, I think the general quantum is, is about the same. But it, no, it wasn't only single story. Thank you for that clarification, Mr. Brown. Mike, members, any questions or queries? Councillor Mills. Okay, where to start? Um, yes, I agree with you. I think the amount of units is very similar to what was approved before. And as we were told at the meeting this morning, the height or the ridge line is basically the same as was there before. And because that's an existing extant permission, therefore that exists and we can basically do nothing about it. So the fact that the three-storey or three-, four-storey is there, it will continue to be there. Um, I have got one slight concern in as much as the plan before us isn't actually the full 90 and 50. I sort of understand why. But when we look at what's up in front of us, I do sort of question where 100 and sort of plus parking spaces are and everything else. So um, I think that it, it needs to, what we're looking at needs to reflect as best as possible what might be built. I think it's quite difficult for us to imagine a development that might be 20% bigger. Um, exactly how many units are on the one that's up there? I don't do that. I'm just going to clarify that. I mean, um, I realise it's indicative, it's indicative, and I realise the problem you've this got. Is, this is the problem. This is, it has to be indicative, so they have to show this scale of development on this particular show. But that's that's not over egg. But it's not showing the scale no, if it's 20% less yeah, than we're going to get. That's the issue that I think members need to sort of move on from, the 20% difference. The difference being is that we have um, up to 50, if you take the residential care home, for, the care home for part of it first, that is up to 50 is what we're applying for, and what you've got there is 40. Right. Now, and the second part of it is you've got up to 90 units for the extra care, and that is my maths is right, 81. Right. So you're, you're nine extra care facilities down and you're ten bedrooms down. Now, as the agent said, that may, I'm not, it's not just going to be necessarily adding on extra units, it could be subdividing existing units <coughs> or a combination of both. It could be subdividing and adding a few. So it's not as straightforward as saying it's 20% less no, okay. and therefore the building becoming 20% bigger. It will, be, it will be different, but this, um, and the part of the problem that we've already always had with these things is the split between the two, because quite often, I mean, we are applying, and you are, you could end up with a 50-bedroom care home here, and you could end up with 90 extra care facilities, and you know that would be great because that's what you'll be getting, but you could end up with less than 90, and and less than 50. I, I don't mind if we get the 90 and the 50 so long as we get the parking and all the other services that go yeah. with it. And so what I'm basically saying is that so long as we get the required parking and the required numbers in place, I don't have an issue with it. But I would prefer to see a plan of what we might potentially get rather than something less than what we get going forward. Anyway, that's yeah, neither here nor there. I, I, I would agree with you on that one. Okay. A um, couple one. of other things. Um, yeah. It was mentioned this morning about the £25,000 medical contribution. I just think it's punitive in concerns with the fact that we're going to add 100 or 150 people to the local medical surgery list, regardless of anything else. 
and therefore I think it's something that uh, you know, is going to have an effect on the local community. I can't see that it won't. Um, as to the connection with Carla Homes, just thinking outside the box a little bit, the seven units that we've got on the top by the north sign, if we're doing in conjunction with Carla, why couldn't we flip those units to the White Ditch Lane Road, the four, and actually come in through the estate road through Carla Estates? In other words, what I'm saying, we could link it through Carla Estates and therefore take all the traffic away from White Ditch Lane. I know, again, this is just throwing out something, but if they are working in conjunction with each other, then the access road, I can see that it can't go through the site, but it could have come in through the side. Um, if we don't do that, then could we look at a passing place again? Because we put a passing place in further up, and it's obviously it's a bridal way, but passing places for cars would help. Even if we don't put the fence that distinguishes, you know, designates the seven places separate from the road, at least you've got somewhere where cars can pull in and pass. So, again, minor things, but they're things that going forward we could look at. I think we've got a I know it's, you know, I know we've got outline. Yes, yeah, I know so that. I know that. All right. Yeah. Um, just, can I just add, if members are mindful of that, it's good. If members want those type of issues, um, it, it might be good to flag them up by way of conditions now. Well, that's why yeah, we're doing yeah, it. We so did it before. Yeah, yeah, so if members are mindful to approve it, sorry, while I'm on, I want to pick up this, 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 cause this, this, this uh, parking issue that was raised by Councillor Francis at the very beginning, and, and, and I think it's a, it's a fair point. I don't think we should be hooked up on the car parking standards by the County Council's parking standards. This is a, this is a very unique scheme, and, 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 and so the, the parking standards need to be very bespoke to what the proposal is. Now, this, yeah. I'm not going to hide behind the fact that the reserve matters. Um, this needs to demonstrate at the reserve matters stage that there can be adequate car parking for this particular project. And there's a lot of work gone in terms of empirical work, in terms of what actually happens in the industry and what parking is required. Um, the, the residential units need slightly less than what normal residential would need. Yeah, and the care home um, and, the, care home and the, the, the extra care facilities similarly. Um, the other part of it, and I'm not going to demean this, there is a travel plan requirement within the, local, within the application as well, which is specifically aimed at staff. And so therefore, and they do work, the travel plans do work in terms of actually providing less spaces for parking. And then just like what Mr. Arscott saying was talking about access to buses and, and encouraging them to use public transport. So that, always, so that is, it is a reserve matters issue and needs to be considered later on. But, but in terms of any member's concern about parking, that's how it will be picked up. Fine. If I can just come back on yes, three things then. Yeah. So, yes, we'd like to condition some sort of lay-by if we're going to keep the configuration of the top seven like that, mm. so it becomes a parking space, or a passing space, if you like. I'd much prefer to see it linked to the Carla site, if that was at all possible, but that's in the future. Um, one other thing I'd just like to clarify, C2 use, does this count towards our five-year land supply? Usage of this, does this count towards the five-year land supply? in as much as these are designated units? C2 in terms of apartments for extra care counters, counters, counters residential dwellings, so yes. Okay, good. And finally, um, we, had a similar, <laughs> we had a similar thing in Elsinham whereby people came back later on and said the proposal wasn't viable and therefore can we have luxury housing on it? Um, I'd just like to make it very clear that if it came back before us, 
you know, it's, it's a care home, and I understand the condition number 10 is clarifying that, but, um, you know, we wouldn't really want to see it coming back in any other form. Thank you very much. Thank you, Councillor Mills. Anybody else wish to make a comment? Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, may I see uh, the plans, please, for the seven bungalows? Can you show us the plans for the seven bungalows? There we are. Um, and you can see there's a ground floor and there's a first floor. And as has already been said, in fact, these are houses, they're not bungalows. Um, the top floors don't have much in the way of light, but they are the same size as the ground floor. No, not. More or less. Well, maybe not. Anyway, it's one of these examples of the English language where um, you say one thing, you mean something else. It's rather like consultation, which means we're just going to tell you what we're going to do, and we'll call it consultation. Can you show me the elevation, please, of the main unit, the big unit? The one that has, that's it, lovely, beautiful. Um, just a suggestion there, uh, I realise there's outline planning consent. What gets built is going to be totally different. If you're worried about the bulk of that and the height, you could consider, Chairman, putting a green roof on it. That's a flat roof with sedum or grass. They look nice. They reduce the water runoff. I have personal experience of them. I commend them for this sort of application. Uh, that's really what I have to say. Other than car parking, I think it does need to be looked at very carefully because although the people that use this place live there probably won't have much use for cars, uh, they have a lot of carers and people who assist them, and they do come by cars. Councillor Hicks, were you going to put your hand up? Uh, Chairman, I, I think I'd like to say that I don't think it's really the business of this committee to redesign um, applications that come before us. It's to make a decision on whether the uh, application we had before us is acceptable or is not acceptable. In this case, I think um, this is based on an outline planning permission that's already extant, and uh, in my view, um, there are many things may change between now and the time building commences with regard to the final form, and I'm, I'm uh, content to um, um, propose that we approve this um, application and, uh, and wait and see what the detailed application looks like when it eventually comes before us. So I do so propose, Chairman. Thank you. And you're happy with Mr Brown's amendment regarding the demolition the risings being left on site? I'll uh, be guided by Mr Brown if he thinks it's appropriate that we should put that, uh, those um, riders in. But, uh, Fine. So Thank I you. No does, that that. does that proposal find a seconder? I should, uh, Councillor Mills will second that. Thank you. Do you wish to speak any more on the matter? No. no thank you. Sorry, before Councillor you go to the vote, can I suggest? Can, do you want to pick up Councillor Mills's comments about the passing bay? Yeah, we'd like to add an amendment just basically to make a, a passing place there because we haven't got any deposits at that point, so it's going to help the traffic coming down Brighton. Councillor Hicks, are you happy with that being incorporated? We did it before. Yes, Chairman, I'm quite happy to go with uh, Councillor Mills' suggestion. Thank you. Then we should do that. And Councillor Mills has seconded. Uh, Councillor Chambers, you had your hand up. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Uh, Mr Chairman, uh, uh, I don't have an objection to the outline planning permission. What I don't understand is that on paragraph 10.44, 
where it says National Health Property Services have calculated that additional growth in population as a result of the application would generate a need to meet the growth together with additional floor space. As a consequence, the NHS has advised that a contribution of £25,380 is required as a result from the creation of the additional floor space. £25,000? That's peanuts. That, unfortunately, is out of our hands. It's NHS England have a, a matrix they work to where it uh, computes the um, necessary surgery space that might be required were patients to visit the surgery, and they work on that on how much a GP needs of surgery space for the number of patients he has to attend to on his list, and that is applied to a building rate, and therefore you arrive at a value of a contribution. Sorry, Mr. Chairman, I, I fully appreciate that, but it does seem to me that that is absolutely, in this day and age, it's ludicrous, especially with the effect of the sort of development that if we give outline planning permission, that we shall have. So that's my, my only objection to it. But I yeah, and it, it is one I think we've all got a great deal of sympathy with and agreement on, and it's something we've been pressing the West Essex CCG, I don't know if it's West Essex here or North Essex or whoever we are, and other bodies to lobby NHS England for changing their policy. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Any further comments, councillors? Okay, so we'll go to the vote on this. We have a proposal and a seconder for approval. All those in favour, please show. And against? Thank you. That matter is approved. Our next application is item 4.3 on the agenda. Application 16-1444, an outline planning consent in Saffron Walden. And Mr Theobald is here to make the presentation. Thank you, Chair. At this outline application, with all matters reserved except for access, is for the residential development of this site for up to 49 dwellings, where this scheme, uh, albeit as a variant to the um, previous scheme for up to 52 dwellings, is submitted as a renewal effectively of that previous application which was in 2013. Now the, the site uh, for members uh, information is at the rear of the kilns, uh, live work complex where we just got the red line around the site identifying this with the blue showing the access into the site and that's just a larger scale drawing. So there are no indicative drawings to show how the, the, the layout or design would be because they are reserved matters and don't fall to be considered with this outline application. So the report really in front of you really reflects the previous scheme for this site for up to 52 but as I say to note it's now for 49 dwellings 
so a loss of just three units overall. Uh, the, the matter of employment use previously, that was dealt with by the previous application when it was considered that there was no potential, uh, no potential for employment occurring at this site in the near future and as a result it was considered as for the current application that the residential development of this site as an alternative to that previously allocated use would be the most effective and efficient use of the site adjacent to uh, the residential uh, development to the front and where it would obviously contribute to the council's five-year housing supply. Now uh, there will be a 40% housing provision for this site scheme as was before so that doesn't change either uh, for this brownfield site. Uh, that will be subject to a section 106 agreement and there's also a section 106 requirement for uh, primary school provision as stated in the report. Now the consultees uh, which have been out on this have come back favourably again as per the previous scheme so there's no matters arising from that. Um, so the scheme is, as I say, essentially the same as the previous approved scheme for this site. Uh, and really the recommendation is reflecting the previous scheme as well. So the recommendation, Chair, is for approval again for this particular residential <coughs> scheme. Uh, just a matter of housekeeping, if I may, on the report for the recommendation for the Section 106 Heads of Terms, there should be reference to Roman numeral 4 uh, to simply include monitoring fees for the legal process for the Section 106, and that's repeated as for, again, underneath, were the developer to fail to pay monitoring fees. Uh, there is just one condition that needs to be uh, amended, that's condition 5. Now this relates to the proposed crossing at the bottom of Thaxted Road with Peasons Road where you will see with reference to the um, highways uh, consultation response that they would still require a crossing facility to be provided at the bottom of Thaxted Road in the vicinity of Peasons Road. Uh, to provide for better connectivity um, at that point and whereas it says in the report no development shall commence un unless a crossing facility has been provided uh, we feel bearing in mind the sort of uh, when this may well be rolled out it should be reflecting prior to first occupation um, of the dwelling so that's just a, a change to the condition on that chair otherwise the report uh, is recommending approval thank you Thank you, Mr. Theobald. Uh, we have a speaker uh, for the application, which is either Peter Claydon or Chris Reynolds. And it is. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, you Peter, are Peter Claydon. Thank you, and you have three minutes. Thank um, you. Good afternoon, members. Uh, my name is Peter Claydon, and I'm a director of the applicant company Tarncourt Ambit Limited. And thank you for the opportunity to. Um, address you this afternoon. The application before you today is to renew the current 
um, approval on the site, which is due to expire later this year. However, I would like just to briefly explain why this renewal is necessary. Um, the previous developer of the two blocks shown there, blocks A and B, um, already built on the front of the site, instructed a total of four different lawyers during their lease-sell sales programme. Unsurprisingly, each lawyer produced their own version of a legal pack of documents, thereby creating many conflicting issues and spurious rights. This legal tangle was akin to the Gordian knot and has taken over two years to unravel. However, I'm pleased to confirm that all legal ambiguities are now resolved and the development of this site can now at last proceed. In the meantime, we've been busy. We have agreed a development deal with the Regional Housing Association to provide the 20 new affordable units. This deal has board approval subject to a renewed planning approval. I'm pleased to report there are no technical objections to the application. However, Southern Walton Town Council lodged an objection in the form of a resubmission of the three-year-old objection to the original application. This report has not been revised to acknowledge or even mention the important fact that the site has a current planning permission for new dwellings. And for the sake of completeness, those consented dwellings are already included within your Schlar calculations. The application has an officer recommendation for approval and I hope you feel able to support that recommendation. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Clayton. Before we uh, go into this one, members, observation I wish to make. <clears throat> this is one end of the B184, which just has a crossing for 49 units. At the other end of the B184, we couldn't get a crossing condition for 60 units. I think we need to pay a bit more attention to what we're uh, recommending in future. Right, um, members, questions, queries? Yes, Councillor Freeman. Thank you. Uh, firstly, a question to the officers. Can we actually refuse this? Or is it just a rubber stamping exercise? Oh, that it's sounds a, a bit... Uh, no, it's an extreme. honest question. Can we refuse this? All the presentation, the report, and everything else says this is simply a renewal. In the past, it was a rubber stamping exercise, but I believe the law has changed, and, I'm, and I understand it. Every, every time an application, a consent, comes up for renewal, it has to be considered on the merits at the time of renewal. So can we refuse this? I'll do this. Um, it is a very good question, to be honest. There's no such thing as a renewal. Uh, the rules have changed, so you haven't got a renewal in front of us. A renewal used to be just vary in the time limit condition, and you were right. We were considering it in the light of any changes in policy and changes in the environment on the site. Um, we have an application. So whilst I'm not encouraging you to refuse it, it is an application for you to determine in the normal way. So it's not a renewal. So you can refuse it, but I'm, I'm telling you not, I'm, I'm recommending you strongly not to, because we've already got an extant planning permission for 51 dwellings on the site. So to have an extant permission for 51 and then to refuse it for 49 could be a little bit difficult to appeal, to, to actually defend on appeal. But the answer to your question, the straight answer to your question is, yes, you can refuse it. That's... Thank you, Chairman. If I can just develop this a little bit, we can refuse it. The developer has sat on this for the last three years and done nothing with it. Now, those are standard things we all know, that if you want to actually 
secure your, your planning consent, what you do is you put some footings in. You make a start on the development. That hasn't happened. Had three years to do that, and it hasn't happened. Uh, so at this late stage, bringing it back for renewal is, in my view, somewhat disingenuous because it's suggesting we've got to do a renewal. We haven't got time to look at it. What I'm suggesting, Chairman, I was one of the possibly the only person in this chamber who actually was present, maybe Councillor Lachlan, but certainly nobody else, who was present when the original consent was given on this land for live-work units. And it went in under the uh, line, as it were, under the bar. Of course, live-work units were a new idea, and the idea was you can work from home and you can build houses for that purpose, uh, and you can build them outside the town development limits. This uh, the, the ones that were built are outside the town development limits. This land is outside the town development limits. Now, I know town development limits don't count in quite the same way, but they do count when it comes to sustainability. You know, we, whenever we go and look at a site, you always point out where the town development limits are. And we were told, we were given a three-line whip by John Mitchell, who was then the head of planning, a three-line whip saying, these are live-work units, you cannot refuse them. And since we were all fairly naive at the time, we listened to him and said, well, that's all right, we can't refuse them. Same thing happened, Chairman, at Thaxted, Balrope Meadow. Basically, large houses with very large garages went in outside the town development limits under the guise of live-work units. Now, live-work units don't work They've had, of the two units built, they've had difficulty letting them or selling them, and that's the reason why the remaining four which were consented were not built. But I think we need to go back to the basics and say, what is the basis upon which this was granted? It was granted originally on the basis we were told we could not refuse them. It was a rubber stamping exercise. We could not refuse them. That from John Mitchell, at that time head of planning, subsequently chief executive of this council for quite a number of years. We could not refuse them. It was a three-line whip. Now, what I'm saying, Chairman, is we should put this back into the pot. Okay, it runs out on the 16th of October. That could have been fixed by the developer by putting a few footings in and thereby securing their planning consent. But I think we should put this back into the pot. Now, there is a lengthy... Um, diatribe from the Town Council in 2013. I accept that it needs to be updated. But they, three years ago, went to some length and got good quality advice as to why it should not be renewed. And I think that advice stands now. So what I propose, Chairman, is that we defer this. The consent will run out, but that's just too bad. And then we reconsider it on the merits, on its merits, in the light of 2016 planning law. That would be a reasonable way to approach this. I don't think it's right to use this committee as a mechanism of rubber stamping continued renewals of planning consents. I'm going to ask Mr Brown to just clarify something and I'll also need to speak to uh, Mrs Oliver. Thank you. Can I really warn members that that was sort of a proposal to defer to allow an outline to run out. That is absolutely irresponsible and I would really suggest members do not go along with that at all. That is completely irresponsible to actually defer it so an outline runs out. I should also clarify this is an outline planning application that is very close to, to expiring. It is not as simple as putting a spade in the ground. This is an outline planning permission which requires a reserve matters application to be submitted and that is a lot more complicated because you need to get development partners on board, you need to get ownership issues. 
I mean, these guys potentially, they're not builders. At the end of the day, they are landowners, and at the end of the day, that is what the delay, delay is. And it's not... It's not specific to this particular site. So I don't think it... I think a three-year period for an outline to, reserve, to go reserve, to, for reserve matters to be submitted is a reasonable period, but sometimes it does slip, and especially if you've got a very complicated site with a very complicated history. So I don't think members should be, to be run away with the idea that this was as simple as putting a spade in the ground. This was not a full application that the, resident, that the applicant is trying to retain. So I think members need to be careful where they go with this one, bearing in mind what's just been potentially recommended. Can I just... Uh, Mr. Councillor Freeman, do you wish to continue with your proposal for the um, can, can I just qualify uh, Mr. Brown's comments there? When the application comes back for renewal or reconsideration, is in the hands of, of the owner, obviously, we can't do that. Um, but if you then time it, so it, it, for whatever reason, ends up very close to the time it does run out. Essentially, we are being invited to rubber stamp the application. And that is not the reason why we were elected to this committee. We were not elected to rubber stamp the recommendations of officers. Officers advise, members decide. And that's the purpose of this committee. Officers advise, members decide. And I think that we should reconsider this, if necessary, if it runs out on the 16th of October, let's have a meeting on the 15th of October to determine it. So we can preserve the original date. We have a special meeting just on this subject. We don't have to meet once every month. We can do it more frequently. Sometimes we do. So the question is again, are you wishing to continue with your proposal for deferment? Yes, Chairman, I'm afraid I am. Does that find a seconder, members? Then I think your proposal fails. Um, Councillor Chambers. Mr Chairman, I'd like to uh, propose uh, approval. Uh, I don't think it's rubber stamping it. I think that is... Uh, I entirely agree with what Mr Brown is saying, I, I, and I'm not an expert enough to disagree with him, but nevertheless, I do agree with what he says. The only comment I would make is, and probably this is very controversial, I don't want another development like the kilns, because I think it looks completely out of place in Sovereign War, but that's, a, that's another. Whilst we've had a proposal, I find a seconder. Sorry, Councillor Higgs. You, you wish to second? Uh, yes, I'd like to second that, please, Chairman. Thank you very much. Do you wish to speak at this time? Uh, no, I don't think so. I just agree with um, uh, Councillor Chambers that I'm happy to rely on our off senior officers in cases like this and be guided by them. Thank you. Councillor Lockley. Thank you. Um, well, uh, the Town Council have said that it um, fails to comply with policy Gen 2, which I don't agree with. But they do have a point, and I know it's outline application, so we're not, uh, you know, dealing with a full application. But there is no provision uh, for play space or anything on this site. And I would like to, perhaps if the officers are talking to the developers at some time, that could be brought up. There's no play areas or anything or green space that I can, can see in there. It's only an outline application. Well, that's what I said. No I know that. I, it's just if that could be taken into consideration. Whilst I don't think it, it fails to, go, to comply with Gen 2, it doesn't. That's fine. But I, I still think we need to say that now because it will be coming to officers. And if you could make that point to the developers, please. Thank you. Thank you. Just uh, add to that. Councillor Mills. I mean, obviously, oh, sorry. Sorry, yeah, just to 
uh, quantify that. This is an application for up to 49 dwellings, so it's not fixed, and therefore there's the scope to provide that open space. Councillor Mills. Uh, just to confirm, Chairman, 40% affordable. We've got 20 more houses, therefore, coming into Saffron Warden in the affordable bracket. We've got a housing list that is growing in Saffron Warden. This helps us meet it. Um, it's already in the five-year land supply. If we don't start approving these things, we're going into reverse. Um, it's been approved and renewed before, and uh, I'm happy to support this application. Thank you very much, Councillor. Um, just an observation on Councillor Chambers' comment. I remember when this came to committee last time for the change to residential from work, work live work <coughs> and I'll rather raise the heckles of the um, Saffron Walden contingency um, when I said that I thought it was an opportunity on this site to uh, provide very uh, environmentally friendly uh, housing um, almost a passive house standard um, by utilising the design of the frontage, the live-work units, um, to produce something similar where with that sort of facade you can pack it with insulation and everybody benefits and your, your fuel bills for living in those houses is, is down to very, very low levels. However, that's a personal um, comment. Just so, if you Chairman, must. I appreciate your, uh, your comments, I really do. We all have our own personal opinions. Councillor Freeman, you wish to come yes, back on Chairman, something? Chairman, I do, thank you. Um, can I just ask, what is the current, the current five-year land supply? How much do we have? Do we have five years? Do we have less than five years? Do we have more than five years? On the cusp. Just, yeah. It is five years of which this site forms part of the calculations. Is it five and a bit, or is it just five precisely? It's five. It's five. Right. Yes, Councillor Mills. It's actually 4.96, which is rounded up to 5. It's that close. We cannot dilly-dally. Right. We have a proposal for approval, which has been seconded. All those in favour, please show. And against? That application is approved. Now, for our next application, uh, 16-1206... It's an application for full planning consent in Saffron Warden and Mr Theobald staying in the chair. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Just a similar housekeeping on this application, if I may, on the recommendation, which is for approval. Uh, the same thing on to include monitoring fees for the heads of terms on the uh, the legal preparation of the section 106 so just to uh, advise on that this application is almost identical to the previous application for this mixed use scheme for the old petrol fitting station site at uh, Thaxted Road Shah Hill Junction um, where that was approved in 2014 with a, a mix between um, commercial on the ground floor and for residential apartments on the first and second floors. The only difference with this application, and it's, it's, a, it's arisen because of um, a change in the internal floor layout on both the, the first and second floor, where it's found that 
actually the uh, floor space size were quite generous and therefore there could be uh, the addition of one extra unit per floor. So effectively it goes from 10 units uh, for that scheme as previously approved for the residential to 12, so just a net increase in two. Now in terms of the elevations, uh, the, the scale, the siting of the building, it's virtually the same. The only difference being is that for the frontage elevation, there was sort of a larger uh, building at the back there for the, the atrium. That's now been removed. And there's been various minor fenestration changes to the uh, uh, detailing as described in the report. This is the shape of the building. Again, as approved, no change. There is a fire exit here, which has arisen as a result of the change in the internal um, floor uh, layout provision. Otherwise, again, with the parking, surface parking at the front, which is eight parking spaces here, um, with the disabled, and then you have the communal parking area, the same here, as well as on the roof plan, which is also additional amenity provision for the occupants, again, as previously approved. So this is showing the first and second floor plans with the additional unit uh, each floor, otherwise the same. And the basement, which uh, the Undercroft parking, again, as previously approved, so members should be aware of that also, uh, there's a slight increase in provision of the parking to meet the extra two units. And again, you've got uh, wheelchair access here. Uh, there is a six metre R width um, in, in this area here, along here, to comply with the parking standards. And essentially, Chair, that is really the changes for this scheme. Um, the consultation responses are very similar to as before, and it's recommended that permission be granted uh, again for this scheme, slightly as varied, where the commercial remains as a flexible user on the ground floor and it's recommended for approval. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Theobald. Uh, we have no speakers on this application, members, so over to you. Any questions or queries? Councillor Freeman. I'm happy to propose uh, approval, Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Freeman. Does that find a second? Councillor Mills, do you wish to speak on it at this time? Either of you? No. Fine. Any comments? Oh, okay. Yes, Councillor Chambers. Sorry, Mr. It's Chairman. It's a very modern building, Councillor Chambers. I, I, I mean, I just think it's dreadful. <laughs> say that. Right. Okay. We have uh, a proposal for approval, which has been seconded. All those in favour, please show. And against? That application is approved. Our next item on the agenda, item 4.6, is application 16-1988. It's an application for full planning consent to Henham, and Mrs Denmark will make the presentation. Thank you. After this application, Councillor. I've started, so I'll finish. 
Thank you, Chairman. Um, right, due to some concerns being raised on site this morning, I've managed to cobble together as best I can a plan showing the Blossom Hill farm development and the, this site um, and showing the full extent of the Blossom Hill farm. So I've given you all a copy of this map. Unfortunately, the Blossom Hill farm block plan was at 1 to 500 and the block or the layout plan and the layout plan for this site is 1 to, 2000, uh, 1 to 250 and I could not in the time I had, get a, um, the two to be the same scale so I could overlay one on top of the other. But what I have done is checked all of the measurements shown on the large site, location, um, site layout plan and compared them with the um, measurements uh, with the site boundaries as shown on this site location plan. They do all tie up. Um, and I can confirm that this field does go up into a taper, into um, a point, um, as it does on site. So I can only assume the actual setting out on the site was slightly inaccurate. But the site does take up part of the field as shown on this plan. Um, and I can also confirm that when I overlaid the plans, the buildings, Lodge Cottage and the Blossom Hill Farm buildings were in exactly the identical places on both plans. So it, that plan is as accurate as it can be. The application uh, relates to the site located on the northern side of Chitney Road and members went to the site this morning. Um, opposite the site is now a development known as um, Blossom uh, Hill Drive and Blossom Place. Um, you can see one of the entrances there. Um, and in addition, further down here, we've had another development um, which has been constructed over the last few years. Um, you saw that the site consisted of part of the garden to um, Lodge Cottage and also the menage area and part of the paddock um, on, um, on the rest of the site. The application relates <coughs> to the erection of nine dwellings being a mix of four and five bedroom properties. All of the properties can meet the required garden sizes and the parking requirements. Officers had previously considered an application on this site, which was refused under delegated powers, and the application was refused on the basis of a harm to the countryside, and that application is now the subject of an appeal. However, since that application was determined, the development on the southern side of the road has been completed, and the context of this site is now very different due to the harm arising from the Blossom Hill Drive, um, or the visibility of that development within the landscape, which has completely changed the character of the area. Um, and so, therefore, um, we think that the harm arising from the proposed development has been significantly decreased. Um, and in addition, the applicant has proposed a wide land of... Um, Landscape, uh, wide buffer of landscaping around the site to help mitigate um, any impacts, uh, particularly when viewed from the footpath going off up here. 
So whilst the site is outside the development limits and contrary to policy S7, it is considered that the proposals represent sustainable development in line with the MPPF. No objections have been received from statutory consultees and it is therefore recommended that the application be approved as set out in the agenda. Thank you, Mrs. Denmark. Now I see here that um, Adam, you're going to read a statement from the Parish Council. Thank you. Uh, councillors, the clerk has kindly allowed this brief statement to be read in order to reiterate a number of very real concerns regarding this application. An application for 10 houses on this site was refused in January 2016 by the committee for the following reasons. The proposals are contrary to Oddsford Local Plan Policy S7 and the core principles set out in paragraph 17 of the NPPF and paragraph 7 of the MPPF. Henham Parish Council see no discernible difference in the current application to that of the original refused application. This original application is now under appeal and no decision on this new application should be made until after the appeal hearing and subsequent ruling. In addition, we wish to raise a general concern regarding the increased pressure of additional vehicular movements this development would add to a very narrow stretch of road. The entrance is located on a blind bend. This section of Chickney Road has an additional 40 new houses constructed within the last 18 months. There is no pedestrian walkway from these new developments to the village centre and so is extremely dangerous for new residents. This development is outside the village boundary sign and as such is in a 60 mile per hour zone. There is a lack of parking provided within the scheme and there is no safe option of on-street parking on Chickney Road. Nine by four and five bed family homes could generate 30 to 40 additional cars. This development raises significant safety and transport issues that must be addressed prior to a planning decision. Hendon Parish Council wish to thank the committee for this opportunity to pass comment. Thank you, Mr. Rees. Uh, right, members, uh, comments, queries? None? Okay, um, we just heard from the parish there, they're concerned about the speeding on this uh, road. Um, obviously that's for them to uh, make the case to Essex Highways with the development that's already there. Um, there should be a case for at least dropping to 40 if it is indeed in 60. So um, they would get our support from District Council if they make that case. Um, we have a recommendation for approval. I'm going to propose we accept that from the Chair. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Hicks, thank you. Um, do you wish to speak at this time? No, no. no thank you. Um, okay, in view of nobody wanting to say anything, let's go to the vote. Sorry. Oh, Councillor Mills. On the site at the moment that's going through, yeah? It's okay. going ahead. And that's going ahead. And neither of these give any contribution, therefore, for low-cost housing, which we discussed this morning. <coughs> I think the reasons given by the parish clerk, to a certain extent, if we develop this type of development and then the next site on the right-hand side of the road comes up, and because we've done the one on the left, therefore the mitigation means that the one on the right, therefore, is less significant, blah de blah means we could continue ad infinitum. And that's just something that can't be right, really. Um, Comments? It's one of the reasons why I specifically negotiated a big landscape buffer so that we put a stop to it on this side of the road. Um, and um, the, other, the site on the opposite side of the road was an allocation and it was a brownfield site. So that site potentially was going to go anyway. Um, and yet, I mean, 
I agree with you, and initially my view was, no, this was the wrong site and shouldn't be developed, but I now struggle. My sole reason for refusal, apart from the fact that there was no... Um, no, my sole reason for refusal was was the impacts on the landscape. And as a professional planning officer, I now find that very hard to argue that there is significant harm to the landscape. And on that basis, I am recommending the application be refused. Uh, sorry, approved, um, because I can no longer substantiate my reasons for refusal given the development that's happened. Thanks. And can I just confirm: have we got tandem parking there, or are we? Again, unfortunately, we do have tandem parking. Not all of them. Why, with a site of this size. size, with that many units, have we got tandem parking? Yeah, there is. Um, I think there's some tandem parking on plots one. Um, yeah, this one, that one, and this one. Um, but these ones have got. Oh, and that one. But the um, some of these have got parking side by side. So it's not all of them, but some of them. I thought we were going to have a policy of trying to get rid of tandem parking and wherever we've got enough space with the units. I mean, they're huge units and we're putting tandem parking in again. Uh, it just means that we stack more cars on the, on the road and on the verges because people don't want to park behind each other. Yeah, unfortunately, we haven't got a we policy. Got a policy that, 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 uh, no, I know, but this is something we've got to look at yeah. through the DM policies in as yes. much as when we've got a scheme like this, we've got to be able to do something about it before it comes in front of us. Um, okay, thank you very much, Chairman. Right, so we do, yeah, we have a proposal and a seconder, so um, let's go to the vote on approval or not otherwise. Thank you. All those in favour, please show. And those against? And one abstention. Thank you. So that application is approved. We will now have a five-minute comfort break, councillors. Thank you.
Right, we're back in harness, members. Thank you. And this next item on the agenda is application 162119. It's an application for full planning consent in Orange Street, Faxted, and Mrs Denmark will make the presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. This application relates to a site on the corner of Orange Street and St Clements in Thaxted. Um, relates to the development of six dwellings, which is now substantially completed. Uh, the proposal relates to removal of a condition imposed on the original consent, which related to the location of um, visitor parking spaces. Now, originally, uh, the visitor parking spaces were shown to be here, and the parking for plot three was shown to be here. And as you can see, plot three is located over here. And the officer's concern was, at that time, that the, um, the parking spaces for plot three were too remote from the dwelling to comply with the lifetime home standards. So they put a condition on saying that the visitor parking and plot three parking needed to be transposed doesn't work in theory, all very well in theory, but in practice you end up with tandem um, visitor parking, which doesn't work. And, um, and so the committee went with it. Um, and so the recommendation now is that the condition be removed and that the visitor parking is put here and plot free parking is put over here. We no longer have lifetime homes. And in the um, new... Uh, building regulations there isn't actually a stipulation about distance of parking spaces from the front doors so it's recommended that the application be approved thank you mrs denmark i think in the previous instance the uh, council has followed officers advice but there we go um right members any questions or queries councillor davies sorry Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I propose uh, that we follow the officer's recommendation. Thank you. Thank you. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Hicks. Thank Second you. Mention. And so we'll go straight to the vote, I believe, is warranted. So all those in favour of approval, please show. That application is approved. Next item on the agenda, item 4.7, application 16-1596. It's an application for outline approval in Saffron Walden, and uh, Mr. Bentley uh, will take us through the presentation. Thank you. The application is for a single dwelling house. It's an outline application with appearance and landscaping reserved. Consent is sought for access, layout and scale. This is the site and location plan proposed. Um, the site is located here. Um, it's northwest of 35 to 40 Hanover Place, which is, which is here. Um, it's, on, it's on open land which is um, situated between Swan Meadow Car Park and Audley End Park. Access is from Abbey Lane and the public highway ends at this point here. 
yeah, you can see that. Um, and um, the access then crosses over existing driveway and some um, garden land, which is in the same ownership as Hanover Place. And that, that's, um, as you can see, up along here. That's the existing driveway, and then that's the garden land. The proposed dwelling would be situated here on the site. The main part of the site is outside of Saffron Walden's development limits, so um, this, this strip part is inside development limits, the rest of it is, is outside. It's within the conservation area. It adjoins Audley End Park, as already discussed, um, which is a Grade 1 registered park and garden. And the adjoining the um, wall between, which is here, the wall between the site and Audley End Park is um, considered to be a Curtis listed structure. It affects two archaeological sites. Um, so that means basically it's in an archaeological sensitive area which has previously yielded medieval Roman and prehistoric deposits. Um, a small part of the site is adjacent to a watercourse and is located within um, flood zones two um, or three. And that, that part is along this boundary here and that's the, you can just about see the, the watercourse there um, with the blue line. There are ne nearby trees along here which are subject to um, tree preservation order and the site is also within a um, contaminated land use, sorry, contaminated land, historic land use area. This um, drawing here shows the layout in more detail. Um, it shows um, the relationship between the proposed house and um, number, numbers 55 to 40 Hanover Place. Um, the, relationship, the distance here is, varies between about 9.4 and 10.2 metres. Um, the, the building it's, it's itself would comprise a single storey element here, um, and that would be uh, sorry, um, a, a one and a half storey element here and a two storey element here at the, at the back. So the, the point nearest to Hanover Place would be a, would be single storey. The house would be located slightly away from Audley M Park's wall. You can see there's a, there's a gap there shown on the plan. Um, it would also be located away from, from the areas in flood zones two and, two and three. This drawing here shows the proposed scale. It also provides more information about the relationship between Hanover Place and the pro proposed house. You can see here that the um, lines are drawn on to show the daylight line. As previously stated, there's a single story element which is up to um, 5.3 metres in height, the one and a half story element which is up to 6.1 metres and the two story element here which is up to 8 metres in height. This photo shows the, um, the access and the, um, the driveway which is the Hanover Place driveway and it shows um, also the um, area of garden land which would form part of the access. You can see here that um, the relationship between the driveway and this part of Hanover Place isn't, um, isn't dissimilar um, to the relationship that's proposed down here. This photograph shows in more detail um, 
the um, area of garden um, that would form the access, which is here. It shows um, the existing access gate. It shows the um, wall of Orderly End Park and it shows the TPO trees. This photograph shows number 35 to 40 Hanover Place and the windows which would face onto the proposed house. It also shows existing boundary treatment which is this, this um, wire fence there, along there. Um, and then finally this, this photograph shows um, the section of the site which, um, which runs down to the bowling green. And this, this bit here is the, the part which um, adjoins um, Swan Meadow Car Park. Apologies. Um, so so the, application, the applicant's case, planning history, comments, consultations and representations are highlighted in the report. It should also be noted that the applicant's agent sent a letter in response to representations. This has not been published on the council's website due to a technical error, error but it was considered by officers and used to inform the um, committee report. Members' attention is also drawn to the supplementary representations. Additionally, it should be noted a further representation has been received from the Conservation Officer today to clarify her earlier comments which contained errors in relation to matters that were sought for approval. This confirms that the Conservation Officer supports the proposal including the scale and layout subject to assessment of reserve matters which are appearance and landscaping at a later stage. The application site is considered sustainable uh, as a, a sustainable location for housing and the principles therefore considered acceptable. The proposed access is considered acceptable, including in relation to the impact that this would have on neighbouring amenity, and the proposed layout would allow for adequate car parking provision. Members will be aware that paragraph 10.20 contains a mistake in that it states that there are no marked parking bays in the strip of land proposed for access. On the site visit earlier today, it was noted that there is a marked but faded parking bay adjacent to the area of garden land. However, given that the applicant maintains that there are access rights over this land, there is no change to the conclusion that there would be no undue impact on Hanover Place's parking. It is noted that there is a dispute between um, the applicant and Hanover Place relating to access rights and that this is not a planning consideration. The design of the development would be acceptable, subject to the assessment, as the assessment of appearance and landscaping at reserve, at reserve matters stage. The proposed layout would ensure that there would be no undue harm to neighbouring amenity. The impact on heritage assets, including the conservation area, Orderly M Park and its wall, the archaeological sites, sorry, and the archaeological sites would be acceptable, subject to the assessment of appearance at reserve matters stage and conditions. The proposal would be acceptable in terms of flood risk. It would have an acceptable impact on, on wildlife. The impact on trees, including the nearby protected trees, would be acceptable. And finally, no mitigation would be required to make the proposal acceptable in relation to potentially contaminated land. The application is recommended for approval subject to conditions listed on pages 145 to 146 and an additional condition um, which, which, it would, um, which would read, the dwelling hereby permitted must be built in accordance with optional requirement M42, accessible and adaptable dwellings of the building regulations 2010 approved document M, 
Volume 1, 2015 edition. The reason for this is to comply with policy Gen 2 and the SPD on accessible homes and play space. Thank you, Mr. Freeman. Um, Mr. Bentley, sorry. Um, right, on the question of speakers, um, I did think we were going to have somebody from Hanover speaking. Um, I know Mr. Banks is here, who we met this morning. If he wishes to um, tell the public and the members again what um, he said this morning, he's most welcome. You've got three minutes, Mr. Banks, so no need to rush. Um, but if you make sure the microphone's on, please. That's fine. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. Um, speaking to the committee this morning on the events of what's happening, um, there's going to be a lot of inconvenience to the residents down there. There are 14 dwellings there which are on Hanover's ground where the access will be and there was only five parking spaces there in that small car park and the open space bit is left for emergency vehicles. I know it's supposed to be a right away into the other but for 40 years we've been there and only um, you know, a small tractor going through there just to cut the grass about four times a year otherwise the access and the availability of parking with emergency vehicles and everything else has never been a question. Even today, when the visitors of the council were there, there was a car parked there, which was a carer. And out of that 14 flats, five residents are having carers coming in from one to four times a day. And if the access to that building is allowed, where are they going to park? If you've got an ambulance coming down or any vehicle to for, like the Uttlesford uh, vehicle takes them out, then there's nowhere to park and there's nowhere to pick up the patients. Coupled with that, there is no reason why it should come through there at all. And the building which is going to be built is only nine metres from the front of four lots of dwellings where there's sitting room and living room instead of looking out now onto the open spaces it's only going to be nine metres and looking at the plan as it comes up today the garage space is near to the or the interstate wall if they're going to drive into there the only place they can get out is the back and they're going to be built they're going to be turning in front about three metres in front of the sitting room and bedroom windows of Hanover Place where you've got retired people and they're not all well. And if you have the fumes and the noise from there, and there's going to be three car parking spaces. One other thing is with the long-term problem with Hanover and the new development, if it's allowed, will be how do the vehicles get there? Because even your refuge vehicle, because they can't find anywhere to turn around or do, they come all the way through Abbey Lane from the, from the URC church and come down between the two walls and there are no footpaths anywhere till you get to the park gates. And when they turn down to Hanover Place itself to this two to three hundred yards before, which is Hanover probably, 
that's the only place they will be off to, be able to offload, but if they block the road up, then there's no access for emergency vehicles. That is the problem of all we've got there, and how are they going to cope with the noise and the things with diggers, people in and out all day long, and where it's going to go. But there is one consideration which has never been mentioned by planners or anything else. That piece of ground runs close to uh, um, Swan Meadow Car Park. The Uttlesford put a bridge over on the lower part for a footbridge over into Ordnian Estate. There is no reason that a bridge can't be put over that bit, either extended to where it is or a lot further up over that is, so all access could be done through Swan Meadow Car Park and it wouldn't affect any residents or any at all apart from the, the objection of the, vehicle, of the uh, bungalow being built in front. So with all the access day in and day out as it could be if people live there for 24 hours a day, with three cars built, there's always, you're never going to find a place to park at all. Thank you very much for hearing me. Thank you, Mr Banks. Um, we have um, the agent for the application, Tom White, down to speak. Oh, he is there, sorry. You've got three minutes, Mr White. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I'm pleased to hear that the uh, letter of the 7th of July has been taken into account, although it's not online on the website, because it does address a number of the objections made. Um, I can confirm that the applicant has the benefit of a right-of-way reserved from, from when the estate sold the site to Hanover House. It is for all, it is for all times and at all purposes, with and without vehicles, and is adequate to serve the proposed development. Uh, the point was accepted by Hanover Housing's asset manager in July, but the comment does not appear to have been withdrawn. Um, on several occasions over a number of years, we have reminded Hanover and their residents of the right of way and advised them to resist treating it as garden land. Uh, it is perhaps not a planning issue. Um, Hanover Housing was approached both locally and at their head office during the preparation of the application, but the invitation to engage in consultation was not taken up. But nevertheless, the architect has endeavoured to take into account the effect on neighbours in terms of siting, layout, design, scale and massing in the indicative plan that you see before you. Um, neighbours have stated their concerns over access, especially during any construction phase. Any disturbance or inconvenience is controlled by existing environmental legislation and one would hope sound working practice. Um, I also note that full planning consent to develop this site was obtained previously in 2001 and although not implemented, it does establish a previous uh, desirability to develop the site. Uh, the site is naturally um, constrained, uh, avoiding any encroachment onto any other adjacent land. The land lies redundant and despite regular mowing, complaints are regularly received from the neighbours and even reported in the local press about the site constituting a nuisance in its current state. The environmental and ecological assessment support the proposal is likely to have a very limited scope to harm the local character and appearance of the countryside. Uh, the loss of this underused land is outweighed by the contribution of the proposal to the housing supply. 
and I hope the committee consider this outline application suitable for approval. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. White. Okay, members, it's uh, open to you for comment or question. No comment or questions? Councillor Mills. Um, I have an issue with this. I have an issue with putting a three or four bedroom house in this position. Um, I think there's perhaps 20 units of residential old people's homes. They've been there a long time. We have only got five parking spaces. It was evident today that carers were parking and therefore there is going to be an issue with getting vehicles through there. Um, I just think there's a... Yeah, I think that all of the people that look out over that new property will... you know, It's almost putting a garden into their back garden. Uh, so the actual amenity space that wraps right the way around the existing development. I just feel it should be an area of open grassland rather than a development. Um, so uh, I shall not be supporting this application. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Chambers. Uh, Mr Chairman, uh, I would totally agree with Councillor Mills. Um, I have to declare an interest in as much as when I was County Councillor I had to, used to go and see Mr Banks quite often with regard to parking problems at Hanover Place. Now, Hanover Place is built for elderly people. Unfortunately, what should have been thought about was that there could have been, uh, when you actually go down Abbey Lane there, the road from the almshouses down to the, the gates of the, uh, the park, should have been for uh, residents only and access. There are a lot of people who actually park there who have no right to park. This might have nothing to do with what we're talking about, but what I'm saying to you is really is, is about the, the elderly people down there. Most of them are very elderly. Most of them are very concerned about... Uh, the noise isn't quite so bad from people walking their dogs in the park since we put the bridge across um, from Swan Meadow. But there's always people parking cars down there that can't. I've been there, down there on many occasions where if there were to be an emergency, the emergency vehicle would have to be knocking two or three cars out of the way to get through there. I'm not pulling a wool over your eyes. This is a genuine concern and I just feel that we have an area there where it is a very small area next to a residential home surely we have enough and, and I'm going to say this now perhaps not politically correct but all the end states have got enough land to actually develop a house should they wish to without spoiling those people in those houses that are very senior citizens if I leave it at that and I'm sure there are reasons with access and various other things that we can refuse this on and I would propose refusal Thank you, um, we need if, you're, if that's a formal proposal we do need some conditions so perhaps Mr Brown can... Mr Brown will I'm sure put me oh, on sorry, the right we need line a second or first. I do beg your pardon. we need a second or first oh, Councillor yeah, Freeman uh, sorry, Mr. Chairman, could I just say it's on S7 and Gen 2? Yeah, hang on. Right. Councillor Freeman, were you seconded? Yeah, fine. I, I would like to speak when the time comes, please. Fine, okay. So um, we'll just iron out these conditions first. 
obviously this is going to go out to further discussion, but I think what Councillor Chambers is raising, there's two bits that Councillor Chambers is raising, well, it's three bits. I would be very anxious about S7, bearing in mind it's very much within the town, but you don't need to throw everything at it. You don't need to throw everything... Yeah, but you don't need... You don't, well, I wouldn't go down that line, to be honest, because there is a, there, you, you don't have to throw everything at it. The issues that Councillor Chambers was raising as leading up to his proposal was two things, really. One's the parking issue, which I'll park, excuse the pun for a minute. The other issue is the impact on the neighbours. And there is ready-made policies within the local plan. If members feel, and we had this last month as well, um, this is a backland development. It's a site with no direct road frontage. where And every time, and again... Hopefully Philip knows I'm not undermining his recommendation here because I think we were right recommendation and approval. But members need to judge backland development in terms of the impact that the proposal has. The, the access goes past living accommodations and, and the speaker did mention those issues. So policy H4 is there about inappropriate backland development. Well, backland development is acceptable unless it does this. And so, so H4 is there. Gen 2 is also specifically speaks about impact on residential amenities. So I think if members have got that concern, there is a bolt-on two policies that we can defend on that particular issue, which is down to judgment. The other one regarding impact on road users is a bit more complicated, but members, I think, may be able to go with it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it is a sort of... Now, everyone's got caught up on this, who's got the rights and who's got the rights. I don't really care, to be honest. But the fact is, you have what is a very... You have a parking arrangement there. Now, this house itself, the proposed house, will wash its own face in terms of having adequate car parking on the site, unless members have got concerns about that particular issue. But by having the access through there, that is part of the problem in terms of... But if you feel that Gen 1 is having an effect on other road users, which does include parking then you could, you could run an argument on that basis as well. So I think you could do it on Gen 2 and H4 in terms of impact on residential amenity and Gen 1 in terms of impact on other road users. I don't think you need anything more. You don't need to throw the, everything at it because I think S7 could add a day to an inquiry, basically. Councillor Freeman, you wish to speak. Yes, thank you, Chairman. I have personal experience of... Uh, Hanover Place because uh, my wife's aunt was in that very building, the nearest one uh, to the proposed development. And on one night, we had to call out the emergency ambulance to take her to Adam Brooks. Uh, and ambulances are very large vehicles, and it had difficulty actually finding its way in there in the middle of the night. Uh, it's uh, the people who live in these houses, I'm sorry to say this, but they are, in technical terms, vulnerable. Um, they are also frail in many instances and I think that the construction of a large building of this sort would have various detrimental impacts on the folks that live there. Just to quote the Town Council's comments, there would be loss of privacy, daylight, um, disturbed nearby residents, uh, resulting in vehicular traffic passing within close proximity to residential properties resulting in disturbance and there's also the issue as already pointed out that there are no payments around there. It is backland development. I'd be very happy to refuse this application. I think it's sad, actually, that really it looks like the estate is grabbing at every piece of land it can find and uh, try and squeeze some money out of it. It's, it's not an obvious place to develop. You can see from the shape of the site. Uh, it should be left exactly the way it is, and I shall certainly, I'm very happy to second this, 
the refusal and I'm hoping that everybody else will follow suit. Thank you. Any other councillors? Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Well, I, I'm not sure we needed to look for policies because I think the officer's told us everything when he says it's the access only is, in, is within development limits and I know uh, development limits aren't sacrosanct but it's within the conservation area, it's within two archaeological sites, uh, it's in a flood zone, it's in contaminated land, contaminated land, a joint Nordley End Park, a Grade 1 registered park and garden and a join in a TPO. I don't know why this has come forward, quite honestly. I, even if we didn't have policies, I would not have voted for this because I think it speaks for itself. And having seen it this morning, I think, uh, well, I'm glad I did because that would, certainly would not have changed my mind. So, but I would go along. I think Gen 1, Gen 2 and H4 are probably sensible policies to, to fight on. Fine. Uh, the absence of any further yeah. comments. Could I just sorry, yes, sorry, there's one other matter that members need to be in. Um, again, I'm not undermining the officer in any way. Um, policy EMV1 of the local plan actually says we shouldn't be considering um, outline planning applications in conservation areas. Um, I think, I'll be honest with you, none of the discussions I'm hearing today are about the design of the dwelling on the impact of the conservation area. Um, but would any, of this have been, would any of this have been overcome if you had a detailed application in front of you? You don't know. You well, yeah, so, I mean, the other argument is there is, there is, I just need to throw it out there, that there is a potential policy in terms of the number one, but people have not been talking about the impact on the conservation area. So I'm actually putting something out and taking it away again in terms of, but members need to be mindful that we are refusing an application, an outline application in a conservation area for defensible reasons, I must add, uh, and, and as it stands, but, but members need to be mindful that at appeal, um, that we could end up with, an, if it is allowed, we'll end up with an allowed application which will be an outline application in the conservation area. So members just need to be mindful of that. And there is an opportunity, if members have any concerns, to, to raise that now in terms of that we're dealing with an outline application. But you haven't raised that in terms of your discussions. We have now, Mr Chairman. Yes. Well... <laughs> Just that Janice was the first person, so the Council of Lachlan was the first person to mention the conservation area yeah. in the discussions, and I think that is important that we, that, that, that is important. All the other stuff yeah. you raised, um, I think impact on TPOs, impact on the park, have been suitably addressed because there aren't any issues. We may disagree on that. But the conservation area, the impact of the conservation area, we've got an outline. So there is a potential for an additional refusal reason that, that we are dealing with that we haven't got insufficient detail to consider the, the impact on the, in, in terms of the conservation area. I was content that we should be dealing with this and recommending it for approval. But if members have got that concern, do you want that additional refusal reason before we carry on? Yes, if I thought they'd been suitably addressed, I wouldn't be raising objection. But I don't believe they have. But I do thank you. EMV1, I think, would be... A good addition to that. It's on, and the I basis, think it's on the basis that we haven't got enough detail. We're not actually yes, saying it has Yes, a conservation area. And if we have to fight an appeal, I think the more soldiers we have, the better. Councillor Davy, you wanted to say something? Uh, no, I, I, on second thoughts, I won't speak on it. <coughs> okay. On. Thank you. Uh, yes, the seconder was Councillor Friedman. Thank you. Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. Um, uh, uh, question for uh, uh, Mr. Brown, and uh, that is, he used uh, a few moments ago the word uh, defensible. Is it 
This is judgment. We're talking judgment here. And, and, and like well, you. I'm asking for your judgment I because we is, tend I to rely on that very often. I think it was defensible. I, I, I'm not, again, I'm not criticising the recommendation for approval because I think the recommendation for approval was always balanced. Uh, on these type of things and backland development especially is extremely balanced and yes it is very defensible thank you fine uh, no further comments no uh, okay we have a recommendation for sorry we have a proposal for refusal with the given conditions that's been seconded so we'll go to the vote all those in favor of refusal please show thank you that matter is refused as a footnote, I think um, Saffron Warden Town Council should uh, make a representation to North Essex Partnership for some parking controls along Hanover Place there. Thank you. Right, the next item on our agenda, item 4.8, application 16-1385. Solicited building application at Wimbish, and Mr. Brown will make the presentation to us. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Members finally get to consider this application. Uh, just to, I'm going to give you a little bit of a potted history of, the, of how this application has, has come before us. Um, we had an application submitted to us um, last year for um, an extension to this particular property. Um, it was non-listed at the time, and what you have in front of you, um, save one thing, was approved as part of a planning permission. Um, as soon as the application, well, not after the application was approved, the, pro the property became listed. Now, that happens. It's very rare that an application gets listed, but it was listed after the planning permission had been granted, which means the development that was approved planning permission needed listed building consent. And so that's why you have an application for listed building consent for something quite substantial that needs planning. You very rarely have an application for listed building consent in front of you and you haven't got a, a double application for, for, for planning permission as well. The history continues in terms of what we had in front of you. Members will recall that you visited the site in June, late on the 29th of June, prior to the committee. Now, it became quite clear at that point that the authority, and hands up here, had failed to consult the six bodies... Uh, which the Victorian Society, Georgian Society, etc., and specifically uh, the, the Society for the Protection of Ancient Buildings and, natural, and Historic England, because it involves an element of demolition. That is the reason which would have plugged the requirement to consult. That became quite clear as we were going towards planning committee on the 29th of June. So I made the decision to pull it from committee, carry out the necessary consultations, but members still visited the site. And members hopefully recall visiting the site, going through the property, inside the property, and looking at it from the rear. The application then was reported back to committee on the 24th of August, and again, unfortunately, it was pulled at the last minute because we received some, um, some belated comments from the Society of Protection of Ancient Buildings, which members will now see in the, in the report are actually write it, written verbatim under part, part 1V within the report. 
And uh, now I should add that SPAB were only consulted regarding the demolition. So uh, their, their comments regarding the extension are a, an, an additional comment, uh, an additional consultation view. Uh, we have our view of our conservation officer, which has been um, amplified within point three, which actually points out the, the merits of both the justification for the demolition as well as the, 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 the quality of the, um, the proposed extension. Um, and that is what her role is. Her role throughout this has been to comment on the merits of the extension and the justification for the demolition. The role of the statutory bodies was to comment specifically on the, the need for the demolition. Um, I should also add as a further addendum within the, the report that, that, that you've got in front of you um, in paragraph, in, on page 151 under point OV, it, on the second paragraph it says the society was recently alerted to this case having not received formal notification. That is incorrect. When we received this, when we received this letter in the, that was just prior to the August committee, we had consulted them. We consulted them immediately way back in June and they didn't consult, they didn't respond to us in the appropriate time. They have been responding on the basis of third parties contacting them, which is fair enough, but that is the response. So that particular paragraph, so I need to clarify, you may be hearing comments later on that we have not consulted them. We consulted them and all the other six bodies that we would need to, to, to respond, and, there we, and we got a lot of, um, hopefully that's clarified, the matter there. One thing I've just realised here, that we haven't got the original front elevation of the property, unfortunately. But what we have, and members will rec that we have in front of the property, we have an element of uh, a wing of the house along this particular property, which is thatched. And the proposal was to demolish that particular element and to propose to put this side extension in this particular property here. And I should add to members that we are considering the impact on the list of building and nothing else regarding this application. And so issues regarding any potential overlooking, overshadowing have already been considered regarding the planning permission. So in terms of list of building application, we're considering the merits of the list of building. Now the demolition element here is what the consideration by, by the Society for the Protection of Ancient Buildings and all the other six bodies that haven't responded on this application, they have raised that there would be harm caused by the demolition in this element here. And that's something that our conservation officer accepts, that there is less than substantial harm by the demolition. And that is something that the uh, Historic England have also said in terms. Now, where there is less than substantial harm caused by works to a listed building, the judgment, therefore, is whether the works are justified. There's a public benefit from the, from the, um, from the, from the work proposed demolition. Members will recall from visiting the site and going inside, the proposal that the property isn't quite it's quite poor nick in terms of how it is. And, you know, there's low ceilings and the property is, is, has to become made habitable for a family dwelling to finally bring the dwelling back into use. It is considered that is very clear public benefit. So the demolition in the view of our conservation officer for which the, 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 statutory, the, the statutory requirement is for our local expert in terms of conservation to be satisfied that the public benefit outweighs the less than substantial harm and she's made that very very clear that she is very supportive of this application and that the public benefit of the proposal is very is outweighs the less than substantial harm now hopefully i can see from here we have a modern extension this is the view looking back 
uh, members will recall that we walked through the property and stood in this area here um, where the neighbouring property is here. So we have this extension. There is no hiding the fact that it is a modern extension to a listed building. That is good practice rather than provide a pastiche of the rest of the property going around the property. That is why the property isn't thatched. That is why the proposed property is, is much more modern in the way it is. But it complements the historic listed building. The whole idea of a listed building is that it should evolve. And as you go through in terms of modern elements, even if you go back to the original dwelling, even if you go to that, this area here is an addition to the original dwelling. The original dwelling is this area in the middle. And so therefore you've got extensions that side, that side, and the dwelling has evolved. So this matter has been overcomplicated, to be quite honest with you. Um, members have visited the site. You have very, very clear support from your conservation officer who's considered the application in the terms of the MPPF in terms of less substantial harm and whether that is outweighed by the public benefit. And you have a very clear recommendation of approval for listed building consent on this application. Thank you, Mr Brown. We have several speakers, and the first of whom is Local Ward District Councillor, Mrs Knight. Thank you. You've got five minutes, Councillor Knight. Um, first, I must apologise um, for not being more prepared, but having been informed by an officer of the planning that this uh, application would be refused, I tended to rest on my laurels as I felt that was a satisfactory response to my concerns. Uh, and it is only within the last few days when I have been inundated uh, by local residents um, about the change. I wasn't notified that that decision had been reversed. I'm quite frankly astonished that the um, conservation officer, uh, total lack of consistency in her decisions. I have been a district councillor for 13 years and find that her constant mantra throughout has been the preservation of the history the architectural history of a house to the extent that she refused to allow a 1930s carbuncle on a period house to be removed because it showed the history. So to see this 180 degrees turn where she is happy to have the part of the history of the house demolished um, quite extraordinary, in particular considering the facts um, of the letters from Historic England and SPAB. This is one of the earliest houses, I think the earliest house in the village. It is a quintessential Essex longhouse of great charm. And the front, it's rather a pity that the front has seemed to have disappeared in the thing because that is the most attractive part of it. Um, the, it was well known that this house was going to be listed. In fact, I was told um, prior to its listing that it would be treated as a listed house, even though it wasn't listed, because of the history. It is um, not only a medieval house, but it's a medieval house of some stature, belonging obviously from its building to somebody of relevant importance. It has, as I think you will read in most of the reports, extreme carvings. 
the 18th and 19th century extensions whilst submitting that they are of a lesser value than the central um, hall house are still of significant um, historical interest um, to the building. It is something that cannot be changed once it's demolished. You, and there are many of us that remember the horrors of the severe 60s when modernization, particularly with concrete, took place. Uh, lots of ancient buildings were destroyed and you cannot replace them. This particular house um, has, the, whilst being considered rather dilapidated, that is its charm because it hasn't been bastardized in any way and enables it to be restored sympathetically. I have some sympathy with the new owners. Um, however, one has to question why you would buy a medieval house if you want to put a, a modern extension that is practically the whole size of the house. I know the architect has worked quite well. Uh, he's an excellent architect and he's also quite a visionary architect and I feel absolutely sure that he could come up with a far more sympathetic design as surrounding buildings of the same age in that area whereby they do a mirror image um, along the back of the house with a adjoining which does not um, start on the actual structure of the medieval building. Um, I hope that uh, people have read the SPAB report because I cannot see that anybody, having read the Historic England's reasons for listing it, the SPAB's very comprehensive report, and the consultant that has been employed by one of the um, resident neighbours, that it is absolutely appalling to even consider this and I find it an arrogance of the conservation officer to feel that her knowledge is far superior to that of the SPAB and Historic England. We have in our midst a rare opportunity to save and preserve historic medieval property. We cannot go backwards. It can be sympathetically restored. The architect is more than capable of coming up with a more sympathetic design to suit the house. One assumes that he is working under instruction to suit the desires of the owners, which is quite understandable, but <coughs> what they wish for for themselves is not what the house needs. And I implore you to look carefully at the fact that we have this ancient building with practically its original structures and fabrics in place and consider the listed part of it and the historic value and please um, see that this is refused as it is and reapply for a better and far more sympathetic design. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Knight. Um, we have <coughs> two objectors speaking next, first of whom is David Dixon. You have three minutes, Mr. Dixon. Thank you. Thank you, Chair Members. Um, I'm pretty much going to be saying something along the lines of um, Councillor Knight. 
Um, I wasn't aware of what she was speaking and what she was going to be saying, so a lot of it, pardon what I'm saying, is going to be reiterating some comments she made. Um, my wife and I have lived in Wimbish Green for over 20 years. One of the reasons we love the area so much, um, along with most of our neighbours, is the, the heritage which properties such as Three Chimneys represents. My wife and I have strongly recommended to this application, or objected to this application, and I fully concur with um, all the uh, Council Knight's comments. Let me say first and foremost, I'm not against this house being developed to some degree. It does need it. I'm not against an extension to the property. What I am against is the demolition of 20% of the structure of the property. My particular concern I would like to raise is regard to the Council's apparent inconsistency when dealing with listed planning consent. You will all have been involved in listed planning applications in the area which involve relatively minor changes to listed properties. Such applications have in the past been turned down consistently on the basis that previous, sometimes relatively recent additions to the property are regarded as part of the normal evolution of the building and should not be changed. Let me state that I have no problem with such a concept at all. However, here we are talking of a case where we are clearly not dealing with a minor change. We are talking about the demolition of the North Bay of Three Chimneys, which represents 20% of the property. I therefore find it incongruous that you would be happy to approve such an application. Surely the Bay, although a later Victorian addition, should be regarded as part of the normal building's normal evolution and should be preserved. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Dixon. Our next speaker is Andrew Bicknell. Yes, got them listed. Yes, thank you. And you too have three minutes, Mr. Bicknell. Good afternoon. Um, I'm obviously a neighbour. I speak on my own behalf and on behalf of other interested neighbours who share our, our views and share our interest in the heritage of the village. I'm only going to, I'm going to confine my remarks really to amplification of what others have said more eloquently in the documentation, uh, the words from uh, Michael Collins, the listed building consultant that we asked to look at this, uh, and we think he has produced very clear and good work on this, and obviously in particular the work of SPAB which has already been alluded to. I would just mention that uh, the reference to third parties um, prompting SPAB, um, we contacted three of the statutory bodies, Georgian Society, SPAB and the Victorian Society. Now, their records may be incomplete, but each of those bodies said that they had not actually, what they told us was they hadn't actually received anything from Uttlesford. Now, that could be their record keeping or a postal error, but I don't think it is, is right just to refer to third party prompting. Um, um, basically, what this is about is planning law and planning policy as it applies to listed buildings. Mr. Brown has explained that the, uh, that the initial planning permission was granted whilst the application to 
uh, historic England for listing was pending. Perhaps it should be paused. It may have been a lot better if it had been. But the, the reason we're in this position, it was not paused, and the application, uh, the original application was granted. That means that this application must be considered afresh using, relying simply on uh, listed planning, law and national policy in relation to listed buildings. And that is all I wish to address to you today. Um, the fact that it has been given permission is actually irrelevant for today's purposes. Um, this means determining the application in accordance with uh, the, the Planning Listed Buildings and Conservation Act 1990 and the National Planning Policy Framework 2012. I'm aware of only three minutes, but I think it's worth reading out uh, Section 12 of the NPPF. When considering the impact of a proposed development on the significance of a designated heritage asset, great weight should be given to the asset's conservation. Any harm or loss should require clear and convincing justification. We take the very firm view that there is no clear and convincing justification. This is a house which needs restoration and uh, renovation. It, it doesn't need partial demolition and the creation of a very substantial uh, new block. Um, we say that the applicants cannot legally get over the first hurdle they face, namely, is there clear and convincing justification? Under planning policy, uh, the aim must be to avoid harm, and clearly, uh, the, I, don't think, I think it is common ground that there is harm here. Um, and, for example, they have to consider whether there are alternative options. The application documents do not consider whether such alternatives are available, and there is no evidence that an alternative scheme would not, in a much less harmful manner, remove any risk to the long-term future of this heritage asset. When it went on the market, there was massive public interest. There were people queuing to restore and renovate this building. You don't have to do this to it to save it in the long term. The, and Mr. Brown mentioned public policy and the benefit. Um, you only, it's a two-stage process. Without justification um, for the harm, you don't get to the countervailing public benefit. For the record, we say there is very limited public benefit because uh, other schemes could easily achieve the same result. I'm speaking to you, obviously, as an interested neighbour, but I invite you to look at the range and strength of the opinion ranged against this application. If you simply follow the planning officer's advice, it would be contrary to the views of the parish council yet to speak, uh, the views ex eloquently expressed of the district councillor, the views of Historic England, the, the views of Mr Collins, the listed building consultant. And Can I ask you to quickly yeah, sum up, up now, please, Mr. Yeah. Thank you. And, and, I'm just, and most succinctly, and for the applicant, the, the, the hardest thing to get round is the SPAB report, which we regard as very clear and very cogent. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Bicknell. Uh, we now have a representative from the Parish Council, Edward Brown. Thank you. Are you Councillor Brown? Yes, you are, yep. Councillor Brown. Thank you. Good afternoon, um, Councillors. Thank you. Um, on this occasion, I've actually been a Councillor for, for Wimbish for 20 years, and this is only the third time I've had to speak at one of these occasions because on the whole we tend to be fairly amenable and we tend to agree with your decisions. 
But unfortunately on this case we've had so many people in the village who said surely this can't be right to preserve something by knocking the end off it. And to be honest, I mean there's been other thatched cottages, not many around Wimbish Green, but have all had extensions and they've not needed to knock an end off it to do it and still achieve something that's viable to live in. And that is our basic point. We're not uh, saying that it shouldn't have an extension. We're just saying that have an extension that is, to be honest, in your face and spoiling the symmetry of an old thatched cottage. I mean, I can actually say that my grandmother used to live there in 1910, and it definitely had three chimneys then, and it had an end on it that was per perfectly serviceable. So um, you might say that it's... Um, not now, but um, it, it, it's got a lot of history to it, and the necessity to knock an end off it just seems outrageous to a large number of people in the community. And that really is um, just emphasising the points that have been made previously. And uh, thanks very much. That's, uh, I'll keep it brief. Fine, thank you, Councillor Brown. Um, now, finally, we have the applicant and agents who I understand are going to share their allocated time between them, which is going to be six minutes. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. Um, my husband and I are seeking to renovate and restore Three Chimneys as a family home for ourselves and our two young sons aged three and five. They've recently started at a local primary and look forward to moving from our temporary accommodation into a permanent home, a home which they can grow up in and which meets their needs as they change from young children needing their parents close at hand to young adults needing their own space. We all eagerly anticipate today's decision. Our proposals have been prepared by an experienced local conservation architect and developed in full consultation with the conservation officer. From the outset, her advice has been sought and listened to, the building treated if it were listed even when it was not. Where changes have been requested, we've made them. The proposed materials are those which she specified, the new extension subservient in form and visually distinct as she stipulated. The design reflects a long process of engagement which began over 10 months ago. The result is a proposal which conserves those elements of three chimneys that historic England deemed to be of significant interest, while allowing for the needs of a modern family home, thereby securing the building's long-term future. Crucially, it allows for direct upper floor access to our children's bedrooms without the need to amend the original 15th century core or cut into the thatch. It also allows room for us to keep the essential modern services required for a kitchen, bathroom and utility room to be within the new extension. The demolition of unsightly buildings and our plans to create a cottage garden will significantly enhance the, set the setting of the newly designated heritage asset. The Conservation Officer has written in support of our proposals on no less than three separate occasions. You've previously had the opportunity to inspect the building, as have the Conservation Officer and Historic England representative before you. I hope you will conclude, as the Conservation Officer has, that the benefits of the proposal outweigh any potential harm to a structure that is in a worsening state of decline. 
the Society of Protection of Ancient Buildings letter of 17th of August is not the independent response of a statutory consultee. It appears they had chose to ignore the council's notification and instead wrote at the behest of a third party. They've not sought to speak to us or to look inside the building. The parish council were previously consulted on the planning application and stated, quote, that they had no objections. We're confused about why they're now being so inconsistent. Similarly, the objections raised by our neighbour and those he sought to influence, including SPAB, should not detract from the private and public expressions of support that we've received from others in the community. At a time for acute housing need and when so many of your decisions relate to controversial large-scale developments, we're simply asking for the opportunity to return a historic building to its original use using a design approved by your conservation officer. My family and I kindly request that you back the judgment of the appointed council officers and approve our application for listed building consent, thereby allowing us to implement the planning permission already granted. Uh, my name is Charmaine Hawkins. I'm an independent heritage and planning consultant for, working for Beacon Planning Limited and I produce the heritage statement which supports the listed building application. I'd just like to respond to a few of the comments that have been raised in uh, the objections and from the district councillor. Firstly, over the last three committees, the applicant the application has consistently been recommended for approval as it is today and secondly although there was permission granted for the original proposals before it was listed there has been approval of a non-material amendment after it was listed which matches the proposals that you're now considering today with regard to historic England they have not objected to the scheme they have actually expressed the view that it would result in less than material harm to the building and they have left the decision with you as members to balance up that harm against any um, public heritage benefits which I will come back to later I'd like to clarify some of the issues raised by the SPAB <coughs> It is untrue that the proposals have not been amended since the building was listed. The applicants have been willing to amend the proposals to delete two additional dormers to the rear elevation which was suggested by the conservation officer and as the client has clearly stressed they've had meetings with the conservation officer for some time now well before it was listed and it has always been treated as a heritage asset even though it wasn't designated. It is the amended scheme which we are considering today and therefore I will just draw to the attention of um, the Head of Planning that Condition 9 is no longer needed in the Officer's Report as, as it has been amended and it doesn't need that condition applying. SPAB, SPAB have expressed the view that the brief of the client has been forced to fit the existing building. This is strongly refuted. The scheme has been designed to ensure the historic bays undergo as little intervention as possible and I would stress that the four key bays, the 15th century bays, are not harmed by the demolition. It is only a 19th century bay which is a replacement of an earlier structure with a rear crosswing which is proposed for demolition and members will recall that that bay that's proposed for demolition has very low headroom when you actually visited the site. Just to outline four points for the public benefits, that this will remove the current risk of the building by securing the repair and long-term conservation, 
retain the building and its optimum viable use as a single family dwelling, have significant external enhancement to the building by the removal of the poor quality elements, such as the front porch and rear lean-to, and the works will result in the enhancement of the setting by the removal of the large number of ancillary sheds on the site. We maintain that this positive enhancement for the scheme outweighs any less than substantial harm resulting from the demolition. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Chairman, would you like me to mop a few? I, I would indeed, Mr Brown, please, particularly that non-material um, application. Just, yeah, you. I'll do that first. Um, what happened with the non-material amendment um, is that originally the, one of the do there was originally two, the, there was more dormers on there and that's been reduced down to one. So which means I need to pick up what the Speaker just said quite <coughs> rightly, and apologies. Condition 9 now needs to be removed. Uh, again, this is a difference between when you're doing... I, I don't usually like doing that. When you've got a proposal that you want to take something away from, you shouldn't really be conditioning it. You should get it taken away, and you certainly should be doing that on a list of buildings. So Condition 9 has been, is no longer needed because the proposal doesn't show the two dormers. It just shows the one dormer. So therefore, that condition is no longer necessary. Um, I'm going to go back through this consultation issue again. Um, the, the, the application, if you see from the, was, was submitted um, way back, to be frank. It was, it was submitted in May as, as an application. And the, I was concerned myself with the, uh, the comments we received from SPAB and the timing of the comments we received from SPAB. First of all, we, that we got comments from SPAB because we don't usually get comments from any of the statutory borrowers, even though we consult them. Um, the timing, and I went down, I was concerned about the timing because the application was received after we'd consulted them. As I say, we've already held our hands up and said we didn't consult them initially. So when the application was, was, was submitted in May, we failed to consult the application and that, that became quite clear in the end of June. SPAB have a committee meeting. That the way that SPAB operate is they, that they are consulted on application and they meet as, as a, they, they, have a, they have a committee meeting. They had a committee meeting in June. The application was submitted in the beginning of May or during May and they had a meeting within June. So they had considered it before we even did not, even when be, they had considered it before we pulled it from committee in June, having not consulted them. And then we consulted them and then they responded in late August or the middle of August. Now that is not very acceptable in terms of my, in terms of terms of timing, especially when they say that we haven't consulted them because we had. We hadn't consulted them initially, but by the time we received this letter, we had consulted them uh, about six weeks before that. So and I think members need to be mindful of the fact that of the timing. So, so and going back to Mr. Bicknell's original comment, when he first possibly went back to the bodies, correctly were told that we hadn't been consulting them because we hadn't consulted them because I assume and that was very early on the process and so but had you, had you spoke to them in July or August you would have heard that we had consulted them so I want to put that bit to bed and, and then, and, then, and finally uh, the issue that Mr. B I will agree with what Mr Bicknell just said the fact it has planning permission is irrelevant for the considerations today because you are considering a listed building application just like when you usually have a double application you usually ignore one when you go on to another one um, I may pick up questions as we go round Thank you Mr Brown Okay members, questions, queries Councillor Lockham Well the Conservation Officer says this application has attracted a lot of interest and I feel that it's right and proper that the final decision should lay with the elected members. 
Absolutely. And I actually feel that we've been handed a bit of a poison chalice here because looking um, at SPAB, Consultation for the Society of the Protection of Ancient Buildings, they actually say that the society is not opposed to the addition of a modest extension to this building. That being said, we wish to raise concerns about the design of the new extension, believing that any addition should be of better visual quality than what is proposed. So when I read that, I went to the MPPF, uh, paragraph 132, which says, Significance can be harmed or lost through alteration or destruction of the heritage asset, well, I can't say it, asset or development within its setting. Substantial harm to or loss of a grade two listed building, park or garden should be exceptional. Now, I don't know what is exceptional here. Um, obviously, nobody wants to see a listed building fall down, and, but I, I really feel that uh, perhaps a better design. I know they're not going into the fabric of the building because the report says that, which is good because it could harm the building itself, so the extension's a good idea. But I'm not actually sure that this fits in with a Grade 2 listed building. So um, although I would be happy to uh, pr propose an extension, I couldn't support this one, I'm afraid. Sorry. Okay. Uh, any other comments? Councillor Mills. Sorry, I'm at odds with Councillor Lachlan. Um, I think buildings have to evolve. It's evolved in the past, 15th century, 18th century, 19th century. Let's try for 20th century. Um, I think that if they are trying... All right, 21st. If they're trying to preserve all the main important features of the building, which they are, I can see why they're doing it, because they need a link at first floor level, and the only way they can do that is to go in at sort of ridge height to get that link across. Um, Everybody's agreed that the architect is a distinguished architect. I have no problem with the design. I have no problem with the concept that Barbara uses, Barbara Bosworth uses, that um, an extension should be a modern, um, if you like, contrary design to the existing fabric, and I think this does that. So um, I think that the application is worth supporting on those reasons. So I should be supporting the application. Thank you. Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I'm inclined to agree with uh, Councillor Mills. I, I feel that um, what we're discussing here is uh, um, very much a matter of opinion. It's, uh, and, and deciding whether what looks right and what doesn't look right and what fits an ancient building and what doesn't fit an ancient building, it's very subjective and different people will have different views, different opinions. Um, we hear, heard very much from those opposing the um, proposal that uh, uh, SPAB say it's all wrong, but SPAB, as far as I can tell, haven't paid any visit to the site to uh, um, discuss the matter. Their, their opinion is one which has been presumably given by email or letter or something of the sort, um, but certainly no inspection, whereas the recommendations of the conservation officer, and it seems uh, backed up by Historic England, um, find the proposals quite acceptable. So um, who's, um, who, who among these experts do we 
uh, do we choose to accept who, who, who's right and who's wrong? I, I, I'll go along with the fact that I'm, as Councillor Mills says, let's um, um, try and improve buildings and, and preserve the best of them, but, but um, add whatever's necessary to make them livable in the 21st century. So I, I'm supporting the application to Jim. In fact, I'll make a proposal that we accept this application. Right, thank you. Does that find a seconder? Are you seconding, uh, Councillor Davy? I'm seconding that. Thank you very much. Do you wish to speak at this time? Uh, yes, I do. I, I have certain uh, reservations, really, about what's been said by various people. That the really important bit of this house is the Inglenook fireplace and the immediate surrounding uh, part of it, which is which is the the original uh, structure going way back. There have been some really unfortunate extensions done to it since, and this is a wonderful opportunity to get it right. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Freeman. Yes, <clears throat> thank you, Chairman. One of the rules with uh, listed buildings is that you take away as little as possible, and I have personally modernised a significant number of these for my own use over the years. Um, on the other hand, if you try and get it right, you can end up with a building falling down around you, and then you don't have a building anymore. And I think when we went round it, I was impressed by the sorry state of the existing uh, listed component. It's very clear that something very urgently needed to be done. I don't particularly like the extension that's there. I think it could have been done better, but it's got planning consent, uh, and that is part of the deal. So the question is, do we give it listed building consent? I will support listed building consent on this. It's unfortunate to take down a bit of it, but actually the alternative, you leave it any longer, is you haven't got a building at all. And, that, and that's the situation which everybody loses. So I think uh, grasp the nettle, do the job now, uh, and let's be done with it. Thank you, Councillor Freeman. Uh, Councillor Lockley, you wish to come back in? Well, I just clarification. Do we know if SPAB did visit the building? Because Councillor Hicks said they didn't. Um, so I don't know if that's right or not. The indications from the... Because SPAB would not have been able to go in the building without the permission of the, uh, the owners. So did they try to get I don't, Well, I don't think they have. They have not visited the site. They, have, they haven't been inside the site. That's what we can say. Uh, sorry. Oh, okay, right, that's helpful. Thank you. Mr Chairman, uh, perhaps I uh, should declare an interest. I live in a listed thatched cottage. I have got an Inglenook fireplace. I have got a bathroom built on that was a, uh, an old barn in the first instance. <coughs> but what I would say is, always with my understanding with listed buildings was, that provided the, the part on the front there, without that bit stuck on the end, is left intact, then you are not interfering with the listed building. Because that bit on the left isn't the same age as the bit on the right. Any fool can see that. And I haven't been to see the site. So I think you have got to, I couldn't agree more with, I think it was Councillor Mills who said, you've got to keep up to the 21st century, you didn't get as far as that, but the 21st century, at the same, t <laughs> at the same time, keeping the tradition and the historical value of the old thing. I shall be supporting this application. I'm going to, I'm going to correct Councillor James Davis for a second. This is the proposed 
extension. The yeah. current situation has a additional bay here that is thatched. Is it falling down? It is falling down, yeah. but I, I just want to make it quite clear. I don't want you to make a judgment based upon you think. It's Hang on. Can we please the situation on site? Members have seen it inside. Members have gone inside, and there is a there is a there is a bay here which is thatched. What I was correcting, Councillor Chambers, is I didn't want to say because it, it is it is not obvious necessarily that it is a, tradition, a modern edition, but it is a modern edition. It's an 18th century, 19th century edition. Now, members, when they went inside, now whether it's falling down or not, that's that. I'm, I'm not a structural surveyor, so I can't say that. But what members saw inside when they walked through was the condition of the property inside. And what members also said, the other part of it is not just what it looks like is very, very important. But when you heard the speakers talking, in order to try to, and, and I think Councillor Mills knocked it on the head when he said that the major issue is is, is first floor access. And, and, and in terms of not, in order to, if you didn't do it this way, then you would be ripping the heart out of the real historical buildings in terms of staircases, etc. That is the problem. But I just wanted to correct Councillor Chambers because I don't want anyone to get the impression that, that it, it is that obvious that it is not a, that, that, is, that it is a modern addition. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I was quite right for him to correct me because that's not the point. Uh, could, could I ask yes. another simple question? Yes, please do. If, if, it, if I can. Do you know the age of the building on the. the actual age of the building? Oh, yeah. It's 15th century or something, wasn't it? Is it? 15th century, right? So, thank you, that's answered me, so I, I was wrong in one sense, but right in it. Thank you. I'm drawn to the uh, representation from Historic England and on page 150 of the uh, report, uh, their final paragraph, um, they say their works of demolition would cause some harm to the significance of three chimneys. That harm would be modest in degree and certainly less than substantial in the terminology of the framework of the MPPF. It's for our council to decide whether there is a clear and convincing justification for that harm and whether it would be outweighed by public benefit. So that's where our considerations must lie, obviously, and I think that's been expressed generally. Um, it's a difficult one, but the, the representations that I read through, um, there were quite a few people in the village in support of it, um, as well as those um, uh, writing in against the proposal. Um, to, to my mind, I think the fact that um, without any work on the building um, it would suffer, so there would be harm uh, to the building through neglect, um, which has been clear over the years. Um, I think the public benefit of doing work to it far outweighs any harm that the work might occasion to the building. As the proposal is to remove a bay that is not of the earliest age, um, I, I'm happy to go along with the majority of the members and say that, that, that this could be approved. So, does anybody else wish to speak? Okay, well, we have a recommendation from Councillor Hicks for approval, for, seconded by Councillor Davey. So, all those in favour of approval, can they please show? And those against? Any abstentions? One. 
Uh, so that application is approved. Yes. You've got to leave. Do you say you've got to leave? Yes, yeah, that's fine. Thank you. Right, the next part of our business is application 4.9, item 4.9, application 162121. It's an application for full planning consent in Great Canfield, and Mrs. Denmark will make the report for us. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Um, this application is only before you because the applicant is related to a member of staff of the planning department. Um, it's not been called in. The uh, site is located on the northern side of Great Canfield Road and it's um, a meadow. Um, been used as grazing land for some time. It's never had the benefit of planning permission for a change of use to a domestic paddock, which is what this application seeks to um, get. And at the same time, it's also proposed to construct a menage and a new stable block. The stable block would look like that. It's a very low-key, um, fairly standard stable block. It is located adjacent to um, a listed building. The council's conservation officer raises no objections to the proposals and it's recommended that the application be approved. Thank you Mrs Denmark. We don't have any speakers so Councillor Chambers. I propose approval Mr Chairman. Thank you Councillor Chambers. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Davies seconds the proposal. Does anybody wish to make a comment or question anything? No? Okay, so we'll go straight to the vote. Um, all those in favour of approval, please show. Thank you. That application is approved. Next item on the agenda, 4.10, application 166-2047, application for full planning consent in Clavering. And Mrs. Marshall will make our presentation. Thank you. The site is currently a vacant parcel of land in Hill Green, Clavering. The site falls outside of development limits, however the northeast boundary adjoins the boundary of the development limits, which is that boundary there, uh, and the conservation area to the south, which is that boundary there. Until April this year, there was a circa 1950s two-storey dwelling on the site which has been demolished and the pond that was at the rear of the site has been filled in. The proposal is seeking um, permission for the erection of a dwelling on the land, the reinstatement of a pond which was at the rear of the site and the retrospective permission for the demolition of a dwelling. The proposed dwelling has a front rear projecting gable with twin ridges facing towards the northwest of the site northeast of the site um, and the pond at the rear will be reinstated as part of the scheme. The application has to be treated as a new dwelling within the countryside setting due to the demolition of the previous dwelling. The site falls outside development limits within, one, within the open countryside, however it is adjacent to a st an established sustainable settlement and as such it is considered an appropriate location for a dwelling in accordance with the MPPF and local pl plan policies. 
With regards to the design and scale of the proposed dwelling, it is considered to be acceptable for the location, which is comprised of both commercial and residential buildings of various scales and designs. The Conservation Officer has raised concerns regarding the scale and design of the dwelling and its impact on the conservation area. However, it has been assessed that on balance that it is acceptable for this location. Uh, furthermore, it has already been assessed by the Local Planning Authority as an appropriate um, form of development for this um, site under previous application UTT 13-0556 full. The site is sufficiently large enough to accommodate this dwelling um, and provide the required outdoor amenity space. It has been assessed that there will be some impact on the neighbouring properties in terms of overshadowing, however it is not considered that it will be detrimental to their residential um, amenities um, for the occupants of this property. Uh, as I said, it, this scheme has been approved previ previously by the Council, albeit the dwelling was sit situated 1.5 metres further forward um, with two windows that were um, not included in the application. Um, this application was assessed and recommended for approval in 2016, however due to the demolition of the building this application was withdrawn. Um, the recommendation is that this is um, appropriate, it is recommended for approval subject to conditions. Thank you. Sorry, you have five minutes, Councillor Oliver. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. I'm first being asked to read a letter from the neighbours, Mr. and Mrs. Young, who live in Wickets, who very unfortunately could not be here today, and they send their apologies. Their statement is as such. Statement for the Uttlesford Planning Committee on Wednesday 21st September, reference planning application UWT 162047. We respectfully request the committee rejects this application on the basis of the following evidence and advises the applicant to reconsider the size and position of the proposed property. LP policy Gen 2 requires a new development to be compatible with the scale, form, layout, appearance and materials of the surrounding buildings to minimise water and energy consumption and to co cause no material adverse effect on residential properties through loss of privacy, daylight, overbearing impact or overshadowing. The proposed property is not to scale with the size of the plot and the surrounding properties. As it is on the southern boundary of our neighbouring property, Wickets, it will determine detrimentally affect sunlight to our main patio with overbearing impact and overshadowing. The original demolished property was 6.8 metres from our boundary and this application will position the flank wall of the new property to just 2.025 metres from our boundary fence, thus having a negative impact on our privacy. Section 7 of the PNPPF paragraph 59 states 
Design policies should avoid unnecessary prescription or detail and should con concentrate on guiding the overall scale, density, massing, height, landscape, layout, materials on access of new, new development in relation to neighbouring buildings and the local area more, more generally. The original property, now demolished, had a footprint of approximately 70.8 square metres. The proposed new property has a footprint of approximately 218 square metres. We respectively request the Planning Committee consider whether an increase in size of, 200, of over 200% is appropriate considering MPPF paragraph 59 in relation to neighbouring buildings and the local area more generally. Please note we have no objection to the original, to the appropriate development of the site and submitted no objection to planning application 122712, which was for a property of a size and position more in keeping with the size of the plot and would not have had a serious impact on the neighbouring property wickets. I would like to add myself one or two points. The original property, which was a farm workers' cottage, from which retrospective approval is requested for its demolition and reinstatement of the pond was subject as shown in paragraph 5 of your papers to at least four applications increasing each time its size from 70.8 square metres to a footfall of over 200 metres, none of which these applications have been acted on until now. In passing, can I add that Wicket's footprint next door is only some 125 square metres. Thus, not, thus, this new development is not in scale with the next door property. As Mr and Mrs Young state, and as supported by the Conservation Officer in, in your paragraph 845, show this is a con contravention of LP policy Gen 2, and as your Conservation Officer states, is considerably excessive and represents overdevelopment of the site. I would actually like to draw attention to your map, which is in the back of your papers. This is not helpful to the understanding of the situation, as it would appear this property is on a dead end. The road is actually the B1038, and is the road from Newport to Buntingford, also through the main part of Clavering. Also, the pond is incorrectly shown, since it, is, it was larger than that and was partially in the curtilage of the property shown as Pond Cottage. However, if the committee, despite all the contraventions of LP Gen 2 and your own adopted policy replacement dwellings SPD, are minded to approve this application, can you please, please, require that the pond is reinstated before the construction of the building is commenced. We have here a case of an applicant who has already ridden roughshod over the planning requirements, pulling down the house, filling in the pond with the debris of the house, as shown in the retrospective application. There is nothing to stop him building the house, leaving the reinstatement of the pond to the end of the construction period and walking away. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Councillor. I apologise for the overrun. No, 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 not a problem at all. Our next speaker is from the Parish Council, Stephanie Gill.
You have three minutes, uh, Stephanie. Chairman and Councillors, thank you for letting me speak. Clavering Parish Council remains concerned that the dimensions of the proposed dwelling are considerably larger than the demolished building, which actually, as our village archives will show, dated from the 1800s, not 1950s, as was stated in the proposal. But the Council acknowledge a dwelling of this size is not seen as a concern by the planning officers despite UDC's conservation officers' comments. However, the Parish Council wished to ask the Planning Committee to reconsider the condition for the reinstatement of the pond. The demolished house was bulldozed into the pond and large trees within the conservation area there cut down or removed and the site became subject to an enforcement. That's ENF 160146B on the 26th of April. That's not noted anywhere in this application I, re- I saw. The Parish Council request that the pond is reinstated before, not during the building works. This is a very simple request which arises the only way to access the pond area is via where the house is proposed to be built. There is a section of land to the side, which if you look on this plan here, uh, which is in the lower section in green, I'm, Mr Brown may point out to it, I'm not sure, that's actually parish council land and is registered as a village green. There is no vehicular access right to pond cottage across this land. The Parish Council have tried to work with Mr Farnham and gave him permission to dig a trench across the green to lay electricity supplies which originally came overhead from a telegraph pole beside the horse pond which is just to the bottom of that green section there, it's not on this map. Mr Farnham has left part of that trench on Village Green still uncovered despite the Council writing and asking him to make adequate repairs in June of this year. The Parish Council therefore requests that if the committee is so minded to approve this application that the pond is reinstated within the next three months before the autumn rains fall, especially as at times of heavy rainfall, the site has water sitting on the top of the now filled in pond. Photographs of this were made available to the Enforcement Department at Uttlesford. Building works should commence only upon the discharging of this condition as it also may be determined that the proposed dwelling, as shown here, will then be too close to the reinstated pond and therefore reverts to the position of the permissions granted in 2013. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mrs Gill. Um, And now we have the applicant speaking. It's David Farnham. And you have three minutes, Mr Farnham. <coughs> Mr Chairman, may I firstly apologise for my actions. Um, it is unnecessary additional works it's caused and caused everyone. Can I, can I assure you that taking down the existing house and filling the pond or not having full discharge planning conditions was not in any way a malicious action? On, on, on putting more enthusiastic desire on, on starting the house. I did have an economical inspection and a report carried out prior to this and was assured that there was no wildlife present in the pond. In fact, the pond was quite dry then. The infill, the infilling of the pond, was a temporary measure on which to site the caravan which is where we were going to live while we were doing the works. 
and then we were going to reinstate this pond at its former condition afterwards. The proposal dwelling the proposed dwelling generally was previously approved and seek only to get back to a previous position where we had the planning approval and where we looked, where, where we're looking to start the, to build the house. I would always I would always also say that the dwelling is our family home. We are now somewhat homeless as we had no plans planning to live we have no planning now to put the caravan on this site. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Farnham. Uh, now Mr Brown's going to uh, clarify a couple of matters for us. Thank you. Right, I'll come up with the, the one that's going to sound like perverse planning logic just for a second. <laughs> and then I'll, then I'll pick up some of the stuff with the, with the parish have just said. The first issue, this is not a replacement dwelling anymore. This is not an application for replacement dwelling. The, the dwelling has been demolished and so therefore it doesn't, we're not approving a development because it's a replacement dwelling. So members need to consider the principle of development on this site in a different way. Um, now that's good in a way in that members need to look at it on a but on another thing in terms of the members looking at the the house compared with the original house which you would normally be doing if it was a replacement <coughs> dwelling if the house was already still there and members would be considering it then yes it's bigger than the original and members will be considered that in the in the in the context of the of the policy around um, replacement dwelling so all the references to replacement dwelling here well it's quite clearly replacing the dwelling that's already been demolished is not relevant it's a new dwelling in a location so members need to look at that and members need to consider that the issue regarding the pond um, I'd like to thank the parish because I've been trying to think of a way of doing this because what we wanted to do was originally we wanted the pond to be done as part of the condition prior to the development happening because ironically if you built the house then the argument would be I can't get to the pond so we wanted the pond done but I think the idea of doing a condition which requires the pond to be done within a period of time might work unless Sarah tells me it can't work the ecologist has a few concerns about that right and recommended that the pond be reinstated at the same time that the house is being built to avoid any further damage to a newly reconstructed pond. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah I know. I'd, I'd pick, what you're, I, I, this is a problem that we need to get to. But the, the fact is the pond, by, create, by, providing, by providing the pond, there you've got the pond, you're actually then encouraging habitats to go to the pond, which could be harmed by the building works that are ongoing. But there is a methodology statement that's been submitted as part of all this. So um, I think we need to come up with a wording, a way in which this, how it works. It has to be done in stages. I, I think we need to, originally I was going to change it to prior, prior to development, the, pond should, the, the reinstatement of the pond should take place, which at least get to that stage. And so therefore it actually works in accordance with a scheme. So, okay, what we should now have is that we should have a time period for a methodology statement to be addressed if it already doesn't address the issue about how they're going to do it, have they got it? Sorry, have they got a, a methodology statement that shows in what order they're going to be doing things? Yes. So that's more or less what you're asking, to be honest. And it means that they will start doing it, but we need to protect the habitat that's going to go back to the pond. And, and so therefore that's absolutely so I, I don't know if you've seen I, sorry, I should be talking to the parish but there, there is a methodology statement there which actually shows in which order things are going to be done um, 
and it really does get down to nitty-gritty details in terms of digging the pond back. Well, first of all, you're going to take the rubbish out of the pond, and there's a potential contamination issue there, and, and dispose of it in an appropriate way. That's the first issue. Then you've got to reinstate the pond itself, and then, and then yeah, and then you've then got to. St- then at the same time, development is happening. But the most important thing is it needs to be in accordance with that. The other part of the breach that's happened on the site is the removal of trees from the site because there was a landscaping scheme that was submitted to us that hadn't been determined prior to the works being carried out, the demolition carried out, and not only that, the works removed trees that were going to be retained as part of that landscaping condition. So that was absolutely critical that we were doing it. So I think the, what the condition says, other than saying prior, to, we should be saying prior to development, it should be carried out in accordance with that scheme, it should, it should commence, which basically methodology statement means it's happening at the same time. The pond is the absolute critical issue and it ha- does have to happen, start happening prior to and at the same time as the house being built, otherwise the pond can't be reinstated. And I do share the parish's concern about this, the way in which the works have been carried out on this particular site. Well, members, <laughs> uh, comments, Mr. Councillor Mills. <clears throat> I presume what you mean is it's got to be dug, so the civil works will have to be carried out prior to the construction. And if that's the case, then the liner could be put in, and then the water and everything else could come in later, because then it could be maintained. There's no liner. This isn't no. a this isn't a fish so pond. It's a natural pond. It's a natural Clay pond, line. and that's the issue. Once you've created the hole, water will start going into it. Because right. that's what okay. That's what clay is But if you don't dig it, so does the method statement say it's going to be done before the construction? That's the question. Yes, it does. They'll, do, they'll also do a fingertip um, assessment to make sure that there's no wildlife before they remove the rubble as well. So basically that answers the question? Yes. Yeah, Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I'm a little puzzled by this obsession with the pond. Uh, I would have thought there was a... Um, a more important thing to consider and that is the question of the house being built on this side. I've, over the years I've um, come across lots of uh, cases in the countryside where um, the um, owner of a property wants to pull down an older, smaller house and put up a larger, very often a um, very much larger house. and. Uh, uh, we, the council has always had a very strong policy that, as far as I knew, that uh, this was um, distinctly frowned upon, that if you were pulling down a house in the country, the footprint of the old house was very important when it came to de- determining the size of its replacement. Um, and I'm, uh, I'd, I'd like uh, Mr Brown's comments on that rather than the pond for a moment. I wouldn't demean the importance of the pond, to be honest, but the, the fact is, yeah, I mean, we are, you are looking at a development in a location and you need to consider. It's, 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 it, I, I think we need to move away from this replacement dwelling issue. It's whether you think this house is in character with the area around it. That's as simple as that, really. 
uh, in terms of its scale. I don't think we need to be preoccupied with the house that's come down, which was in character with the area. There's no question about that. Uh, but you now need to consider, like you would normally consider any an individual plots, whether this one's in character in terms of its scale. And scale is part of that important issue. Yes, can I come back, mm. Chairman? Um, but don't, do we not have to consider behaviour of the applicant in the, in the um, lead up to this situation, in pulling down the house without permission, and and thus creating the situation which you seem to be quite prepared to accept? Oh well, it's not there anymore, so let's just talk about the pond. No, no, the the, the two breaches of control that have happened, well, the three breaches of control that have happened, have been the carrying out works before landscaping scheme has been submitted and approved well they have been submitted but they hadn't been approved and also not adhering to that so i.e. removing trees away from the site so therefore that, that's now that is rectified by an application by actually taking his planning permission away because he had planning permission almost you know he had planning permission for development on the site and he almost had this one approved by a delegated report the other part was the filling in of the pond, which we've covered, and the third element was the only rectifica rectification was to build the house again, put the house back up again, which is exactly what he wants to do. So therefore, this is the difficult situation. The delay has caused a problem for the applicant. Serious delay for the applicant has, has caused a problem. So I don't think we should be considering the behaviour of the applicant in terms of whether we approve this house or not, but we do need to take into account the behaviour of the, of the owner with regarding the pond, because the pond was willfully filled in, and so therefore we need to ensure that it is brought back and there's no temptation to take it back. So we should not be taking into account the behaviour when considering whether this house is acceptable or not. Yeah. And so in that case, uh, Mr Brown, do, are we not sending out a message to anyone who's got a house in the countryside that it, they don't like the size of or the situation of? Pull it down first and then after that you won't need to worry. It's, uh, it's not there anymore. You can uh, do what you like and put up um, your mansion as you wish. You're accept all you're doing is considering this application. You're accepting... No, you're not giving that impression at all because, I mean, if, if a house has already been demolished, which is, which is a problem in itself, the house is no longer there, so you can't even measure it up against what house was there before, but you will be considering this application on its merits. So you're not giving any messages out in terms of, in terms of it. You may think you are, but you may not be. Uh, I was just going... Yeah, I'll come to you, Councillor Muscott, Councillor Freeman first, but there is a consent that is in place... Um, for a smaller building than we're considering no, now? No, there is no consent in place. That's gone? That's gone. Because of the premature demolition? Yeah. Yeah, it, that's the seriousness of this application. The application right. had planning permission for this development, but because of their actions, we, I decided that the, there is a term that the, the carrying out the works whilst filling in the pond and not adhering to landscaping goes to the heart of the planning permission. Right. And uh, if it had been a minor issue then we could have taken enforcement action. But to actually take any action in terms of breach of condition, we say they have lost their planning permission. So they've had to start again. And so that is what they've done. And that, that has been tough for the agent, applicant, and I've got very little sympathy for him whatsoever regarding that issue. But the fact is, that is the issue. So there is no extent planning permission on this site at all. Thank you. Councillor Freeman. Yes, Chairman. Um, it is a very big house. If we're considering this as a new application, 
Forget about the history. Forget about the pond. Forget about what might have been in the pond. Um, concerns me about the house is the environmental aspect. And if you look at the illustrations, the top right is called the flank elevation. And if I read that correctly, the flank elevation is actually the bit that faces south. No. Well, that looks right to me. That one there. Top, yeah, that one there. That's south. Actually, it's south and west, but it's pretty much south. And it's got almost no windows in it. Now, if we go around to the north elevation, yeah, that's got no windows. That's pretty good. Uh, but then if you go to the front elevation, which happens to be the back of the house, no. No. That's the front there. Yeah, that's the front elevation. No. On that plan... It may be the back of the house, but it's the front, oh, it's elevation. front elevation on there. The yeah. picture is the front elevation. That's got windows, but it only faces south and east. That won't get much solar gain. And let's go to what may be the other front elevation. Of course, we've got two, I notice. Top left-hand corner. That's the picture. That's elevation. it. That's the other front elevation, and that faces north and west. The amount of solar gain in that house is, is basically minimal. And our Pelham structures make perfectly good houses. But if you come to uh, the environmental aspect of siting a new house so that it maximises the benefit of the fact that the sun shines mainly from the south and to a certain extent from the east and a certain extent from the west, that is actually, you couldn't actually get it more wrong. Oh, you got it right, because that prevents having to cool the house down. That's the, that's the principle of the windows well, facing opinion, south maybe. being smallest. Yeah. Well, prevents, prevents overheating, and therefore you don't have to run cooling. Well, you don't run cooling, Chairman. Um, you do. put up par breeze and things like this. But anyway, um, the thing is, it's the most odd orientation for a very large house. That would be my point on this. If it was a, uh, just a, a planning application on a field, forget about ponds. I would say it's a very strange orientation of the house. But there you go. Uh, Councillor Mills, sorry. Um, Sarah, could you go back to the site plan that shows the overlay of the plot over the top of the existing? Yeah, that one. So if we look at it, we've got a house, it's a, it's a five-bed house going back. I would presume that some of the other houses going up the road are potentially three, four, five beds, but a similar sort of footprint. It's not that dissimilar. It, this house here was granted planning permission in 2015. Right. Um, it's currently under construction and it's about two and a half times the footprint of this, of right. the original house. So even looking at that, I mean, it's not out of sort of keeping in as much as sort of the general line that they're keeping to, the frontage is in line with the others um, as such. It would sound to me like the applicant has suffered for a couple of years to a certain extent on what's happened in the demolition and losing the existing permission. So um, it's just really whether we think the size is appropriate to the site um, and in keeping. And to a certain extent, I'm inclined to look to approve it. So long as the conditions for the pond are in place and a landscaping plan is in place that the officers approve prior to construction. So so long as those elements are in place, then I think we could possibly support the application. Thank you. Councillor Davy. Thank you, Mr Chairman. I would like to propose uh, the officer's recommendation. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Mills. Okay, any other comments from anyone? Councillor Chambers. 
I'd just like to say, Mr. Chairman, I'm an old country boy. Once wow. you do away with a pond, <coughs> you do away with the balancing part of, of where the water goes. So I don't want to extend the thing, but I would insist that the pond was reinstated, wherever it was, because the water will find its own level. Right. We finally have a proposal which has been seconded. Um, nobody else wishes to speak. We have conditions on, on there, and they're okay. Um, so all the pond condition... Do we hear about, <coughs> excuse me, Chairman, do yes, we know Hicks. about the condition for the before it's decided? Y yeah, there are conditions on there, but uh, Councillor Davy was querying the pond condition. Is that needing any rewording? <coughs> are we going? We're just moving it from the re reinstatement of the pond should be undertaken at the same time to prior to the development. Yeah, that the work should commence in accordance with the methodology statement. That the methodology statement then does it in which order. Yeah, that would be the principle of my, yeah, my yeah, yeah. proposal. Fine, thank you. So on that basis then, all those in favour of approval, please show. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Uh, against? Uh, abstains. So that's against. So that application is approved. Chairman, I'm going to have to leave, I'm afraid. Sorry. Okay, fine. Thank you. Uh, Emily, it's only a short one. Go on. Go on. Pull it out. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. The next item on the agenda, item 4.1, is application 16-2103. It's a householder's application for full planning consent in Stansted. And Mr. Theobald will give us the presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Just housekeeping, really. This application comes before the committee because it's been submitted by Councillor Dean and it's his own property. So, this application relates to the replacement of seven single glazed timber frame windows and two single glazed doors with equivalent timber frame replacements but as double glazed sealed units for this late Victorian, early Edwardian period property located on the southern side of recreation ground. The planning application is required as the property is subject to an Article 4 direction removing permitted development rights, including for replacement windows, where the property was identified in the Stansted Mount Fitcher Conservation Area appraisal as one of a number of properties which positively contribute to the character of the conservation area. This is just uh, looking at the, the site. I'll go over it as quickly as I can. It is stated in the application that all the original features will be retained using like-for-like -like materials where the existing front bay window will be refurbished and extending these features to the non-double glazed windows in the late 20th century extensions. The proposal has been assessed by the council's conservation officer who has actually considered that uh, there would be harm caused to this uh, particular property. 
Um, however, the officer report in assessing the level of harm that would be caused and noting the conservation officer's comments has balanced this with the stated requirement to increase the thermal efficiency of the building where it should be noted that a similar window and door arrangement scheme was approved by the council for the adjacent property at number 47 recreation ground which has subsequently been implemented and which is understood has significantly increased the energy efficiency of the adjacent dwelling and that adjacent dwelling being here with the replacement windows this being number 49. So the report therefore considers on balance that the proposal is acceptable in terms of design and would retain the character and appearance of the conservation area and Chair it is recommended for approval with the same additional condition as imposed for the grant of permission 447 recreation ground that the materials to be used shall be as detailed in the application. Thank you. Thank you Mr Theobald. The applicant doesn't wish to speak so I'm going to recommend from the Chair that we accept the officer's uh, recommendation and uh, vote for approval. Does that find a seconder? A seconder by Councillor Mills. All those in favour please show. Thank you. You have um, item 5 on the agenda was planning agreements. Does anybody have any comments to raise with our legal officer? No, then we'll move on to Chairman's uh, urgent business and I have an item. Um, today is the last meeting that's going to be attended by Adam Rees and Christine Oliver. And from the Chair I'd like to propose a vote of thanks, not on behalf of the councillors only, but on behalf of this committee for all the support and advice you've given us and uh, we wish you well in the future. Thank you very much. The meeting is closed at 5.43.